What's up, Pool Chasers? It's October. You know what that means? We are about 24 days away from the first annual Pool Chasers Mixer. We have some exciting news. We are going to drop the price to $50 a ticket. We really want the community to be there if possible. So if you have not bought your tickets, please go do so. Remember, you get a special Pool Chasers hat, pin, two drink tickets, and dinner. So it is a lot for that $50 you are getting. And we are really excited that it's getting closer. We can't wait to hang out with you guys. So go to poolchasers.com, click on the events tab, go through the process and get your tickets. We really need a head count for the event, so please do so as soon as possible, and we can't wait to see you guys out there. Hey, this is Will Ives with Bullfrog Pool Service in Wilmington, North Carolina, and you're listening to the Pool Chasers Podcast. Welcome to your go-to podcast for the pool and spa industry. My name is Tyler Rasmussen. And my name is Greg Viafania, and this is the Pool Chasers Podcast. All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining us today, David. It's going to be super cool sure. uh, doing this whole Skype session with you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. How you guys doing over there? Doing good. We're hot. <laughs> yes, <laughs> doing good. I see some monsoon yeah. clouds on the horizon, so hopefully when we get out of here, it won't be too crazy. Huh. No monsoons in California? Uh, we just get a little bit of the after effect from you guys. It's been cloudy here in the mornings, things like that. But no, we, we don't have that kind of weather. It hasn't rained here in probably, I don't know, seven months. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Something like that. It's crazy. You get the smog monsoons? No. <laughs> yeah, we do. Yeah, that's basically it. It looks like a monsoon, but it's just smog, you know. <laughs> nice. Well, yeah. let's get started with this. Um, you want to introduce yourself to the, our listeners? Yeah, so uh, my name is David, and uh, Van Brunt is my last name, and um, some people may know me from my YouTube channel and my website and other parts. I, I think I have a decent footprint on the internet. Yes, you do. Yeah, you definitely do. I mean, what is it? I mean, you state this, but it's definitely got to be the number one uh, you know, channel on YouTube for swimming pool service and homeowners and different things like that. Cause you have videos that are, I saw one that was in Spanish that had almost a million views. Yeah. I have a big Spanish channel too. I, I haven't really put a lot into it, but I'm starting to do more videos there. Um, but yeah, there's, there's quite a few videos with a lot of views and, uh, I'll touch on it more later, but I have, I think 780 videos in English. So I have quite a, a library that I built over the last six years. Wow, very cool. You want to talk to us a little bit about just kind of um, how you got started in the pool industry? Yeah, so when I was um, 15 and a half, uh, I had a family friend. I didn't know this, but he was really big in the industry back then, too. His name was Doug Ward, and um, he was one of the first guys to put in the Aqua Link systems back in the day when uh, I think it was the RS-8 or maybe even an older system than that. And uh, he knew that I was, I was a hard worker. And he wanted to train somebody to do some of his pools, so uh, he pegged me to do it for the summer. And he just gave me all the knowledge that he had. And he's an old school guy, you know, wearing slacks and button-up shirts and all that, and customer service oriented. So I learned a lot from him that summer. And then I started working um, for a pool store locally here in Upland, uh, Gary's Pool Supply out of that store for about a year, uh, learning the trade. So I was 16 years old when I started, and that was back in 1988. Okay. That's similar to my story a little bit, too. I started working at a pool store, and that's how I learned a lot of my knowledge, too. So it's, it definitely helps when you're <laughs> someone else can show you the ropes like that. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'll, I'll touch on more of, it's still the dark ages back then, though, if, um, in, that, in that era. 
we didn't even have cell phones back then. It was, it was kind of kind of weird, you know. Nice. So you did that for a while, and then you just decided to start your own company. Yeah, when I was about eighteen, I had my own small little pool route, which is funny because yeah, who's going to hire an eighteen-year-old to do pool service for them? Um, but <laughs> it worked out pretty well. I was you know doing pools, and um, and that's how I started. Basically, I started when I was really young, and I really enjoy the work, you know, and it's it's just been part of my life. Yeah. So then your company was founded around like 1990 or something? Roughly. I mean, I, I took a little break to do some real estate also, and then I got back into it in the okay. 2000. So um, there was an there was a portion there where I was doing some real estate and buying properties and selling, things like that. But I just, the office wasn't for me, and I can't work in an office. That's just not, not me. So you'll find a lot of guys that will do that. They'll stop and they'll come back because that's that's where it's at, you know? Yeah, I definitely have a lot more freedom out there in the field than <laughs> sitting behind a desk. Yeah, definitely. Especially when you own a business, you get a you get a good mix of both where you can be outside, you know, half the day and then the other half you can come in and do, you know, billing, marketing. Um, I mean, your case is much different cuz you do, you know, the YouTube videos and the podcasting and all that, but it's pretty cool that you get the best of both worlds where if you have just a strict, you know, office job, that's really all you're doing. You're locked up in that cage yeah. for 8 hours a day and that's it. It's just not my personality to be to be behind a desk, you know, from nine to five. I just I, I like to have my own hours and, and do my own thing out there. Nice. So, did you grow up in Southern California? Um, actually, I'm from New Jersey originally, and moved here when I was about nine nine years old. So, um, forty six, gonna be forty seven pretty soon. So, uh, almost forty years in California. So, I guess I'm a I'm a native. I don't have my New Jersey accent anymore. So <laughs> nice. So, what was your company called back then? Is it the same name now? Yeah, yeah. I just use my last name. I'm, I'm an old school guy. I just use my initials, Van Brunt Pool Service, and it's an old school thing. You know, there's a lot of guys with their business name as their last name. Um, I think it's more of a modern thing nowadays to, you know, to use your fancy, you know, crystal clear pools, things like that. Um, the old school guys, you know, Doug Ward Pool Service, we just use our names. We just weren't into that kind of thing. So I never really developed a, a brand name for my pool service. And you'll find a lot of old school guys are like that, you know, Harley Pool Service or whatever. Um, <laughs> that's just how they that's how they operate, you know. Dude, that's awesome. Yep, so you just kept that same name and when you restarted it, you started it back up like that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is the, the old school way of doing things, you know. Yeah, we're super old school. Ours is brothers. That's it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> right to it. <laughs> awesome. So, so what kind of services do you guys provide? How many people work for you? Yeah, I don't have anyone working for me. So oh, it's just nice. me out there. And your son, yeah, right? And yeah, my son. Yeah, right. Um, he's actually working for me here. He's actually translating videos and things into Spanish for me. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, I'm actually paying him. I, I guess I should mention I'm paying him $20 per video. And then I added it up, and it's like fourteen thousand dollars. So <laughs> that's awesome! Wow, <laughs> that's pretty crazy. Old guy's balling. Like it? <laughs> yeah. So, what do you kind of services you provide? You just swimming pool service and repair. Yeah, just base the basic stuff. You know, full service chemical service uh, repairs. I don't do as many repairs as I used to because I don't have the time to do that. And that's one of the things I also um, touch on in my when I do my coaching is. You really can't do everything out there, so don't try to do everything. You know, you, you have to. If you're doing repairs and service, you could be out of balance. You may not even be making money because 
you're spending a lot of time doing things where you could be doing service accounts. So it's one of those things where I realized that just doing the service um, is where a lot of the money's at versus repairs, unless you reach this tipping point where it's definitely worth um, doing a lot of both. It's a little different than we normally hear. Um, normally hear the repair side is where the money's at, but I get what you're saying probably because your, your time is worth money. So, you know, if you're out there spending hours doing repairs when you could be doing a couple more pools at that time, I get how you can maybe make that equation. It's really tough in California too because we have Leslie's Pools here and they'll install um, their particular brand of material at no cost and then they'll they'll install anything else for $49. So, um, and there's also another one called uh, Pool Works or another new one here in California mm-hmm. and they do a lot of installations. So it's a little bit different in our area. We're really saturated. There's a Leslie's Pool on every corner basically and the Pool Works is moving in also. So the repair work isn't as lucrative as you would think in California. Yeah, we have Leslie's, and I think there's a few pool works popping up here too. But yeah, we're a much bigger area, I think, than than Pomona. But yeah, and the repairs are different, to, to, difficult too, because they're not as consistent. You know, the the service side of it. If you have a hundred weekly service customers, that's you know monthly residual coming in every month, opposed to you could have a stellar month of repairs, but you know next month isn't promised you know what i mean there could be a new company in town doing good work cheaper who knows go through a recession a drought you guys deal with the drought i'm sure that affects your business in california right yeah so you know basically with the repair if we're going to stick on that for a minute um a lot of the times in a california from october till march really people don't want to do much to their pools they're not going to want a salt system installed um if, if they have a filter that's old they're going to wait until these because after the kids go back to school the season's over here basically and to get people to invest in their pool and upgrade things so if you're doing strictly repairs here you're going to have you know four or five months of pretty dry months so that's definitely a factor Um, when you when you're setting up your business you have to factor in that also whereas service here is all year round because of the winds in this in the uh, october through uh, february and of course summers are brutal here so no one's going to be doing their own pool in the summertime so, you know, in my opinion, the service part of the of the business here in California is very lucrative. That makes sense. So, can we uh, let's jump back into your early years a little bit? You said you grew up in Jersey, but what do you kind of what do you kind of like to do for fun? Um, here, you know, for fun, I don't have a lot of free time with my YouTube stuff. But um, basically, I spend as much time with my son as I can. I have a ten year old son, and I I do everything with him. We do uh, the music lessons and. Um, we fly drones all the time. We just an hour before I got on here with you, I was flying a drone with him, and we flew over to the railroad tracks to get a train. Um, I read books. Um, I do some volunteer work at church, but all the stuff is kind of centered around spending time with my son and um, whatever he's interested in. He loves trains. He has an HO train table, so we go to all the train shows, and um, you know any kind of train watching we do. So I guess my hobbies are his hobbies in a way. Nice. That's really cool. There's a really cool train park here in Scottsdale. I don't know if you guys have ever been out here, but it's the Stillman McCormick train park. Um, I mm-hmm. take my daughters there when it's when the weather's a little bit nicer. Um, they always get a kick out of the trains. There's like two, the most insane uh, train setup I've ever seen. I've mm-hmm. seen some good ones, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, Which, he probably knows about it. I don't know. He knows all the train setups all over the place, so I'll have to ask him. That's awesome. Did you have a mentor growing up at all or someone that kind of guided you i did it really you know um 
you know, I, I basically was from a, I'm a latchkey kid kind of thing. And so there was no mentors and, um, my father wasn't there much either. So I basically learned early on to be independent, to be, um, self-sustaining, so to speak. I think that's one thing that's lacking in today's generation is that, um, I think when things are hard, it makes you a, a stronger person and, and a harder worker. And if you get everything handed to you on a silver platter, you just don't have that same drive that you develop by, by having uh, the school of hard knocks, you know. For sure, it's probably why you you started working so young age, trying to be like kind of help providing stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. I had to work. Yep. So, did you after kind of you know you started, you know, doing the pools and doing all that stuff at a young age? Um, what did you do after high school? Did you go to college or did you just kind of jump right into owning your own business? Yeah, I did go to college for a while. I was an English major and unfortunately I just got busy with work and I couldn't I couldn't do both. So I, I put school on hold and I always said, I'm going to get back to it. I'm going to get back to it. And I did take some classes when I was in my 30s to kind of get some more units, but I never really quite got it all done. So uh, maybe when I retire, I'll go back and get my finish up my degree. But um, work kind of got in the way of school for me. Um, like I said, I didn't have a big safety net there, so I just had to work. Okay. And when did you really start taking your pool service company serious where you started looking at it from a business standpoint and was like, okay, these are kind of the smart decisions I need to start making, you know, having a service agreement and doing all those different types of things. When did you start really taking that serious where it become, you know, a lot more legit? Yeah, I think I would say, when I got back into it again in the, in the early 2000s is when I started to really work it correctly. I think when I was younger, uh, I didn't have the resources, you know, and I guess if I want to touch on the early days, um, you know, I mentioned we didn't have cell phones and I remember working for the, for a pool company, everything was on a whiteboard and you were sent out to a job and you were on your own basically. And if you needed to get a hold of somebody, you would find a pay phone and go over there and call somebody. I mean, it's just really funny. Um, you would, Put quarters in and everything. <laughs> uh, I think it was I think it was 15 cents for a phone call back then. It was really cheap, um, and you had like three minutes, and then you would hear a little countdown, you know, and you put more money in. But it's just really weird back then. So you had to like learn everything on the fly. So um, we had really really uh, bad equipment back then too. Old old brass pumps. I'm sure you have some of those in Arizona still. Um, I'm not mm-hmm. sure if you do or not. Yeah, we see them every once in a while. <laughs> And then uh, almost everyone had the uh, uh, Purex 2000 filter, D filter, with those impossible lids to get back on. Um, so, you know, a lot of the videos that I've done on YouTube, a lot of the tricks I learned was in the early days working out there and kind of um, doing things outside the box. I learned how to put that lid back on that D filter by, you know, filling it up with water and letting the, the air pressure suck that lid back on. Um, other things like uh, my little paper bag trip trick that I show when there's a there's a vacuum leak and a discharge. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was also something that I did way back there in the day. So all these little tricks that I learned um, back in the day working when there was really no resources and, and no, no help out there. You're on your own. Um, I don't think I ever called tech support. I, I don't even know how I would have called them back then. I don't, <laughs> I don't even have no phone numbers. and It was just so weird back then. You know, you were just... You would go get your supplies and ask the guys behind the counter sometimes how to do this and that. But um, it was just you were you were just like the Lone Ranger basically back then. So, but when I got when I got back into it in the, in the 2000s, I realized that um, flying by the seat of my pants was not the way to do it. And so um, you you learned 
quickly that you need to get things in order and to do things correctly. And I was more mature, I think, also. Yeah. How were you getting business back in the early 2000s when you really started taking it serious? How were you getting business since there wasn't, you know, Yelp and, you know, Google and all those different platforms? So a lot of the work that I do comes from a local builder. And I think that is a good way to get work if you're struggling to find accounts. Builders are always looking for someone to do to, to take over the pools for them. And, you know, you can do startups for a plaster company. And I think there's a couple guys in my group that work with a builder, too, and, and they get a lot of work from the builder. So um, that's how we did it back then, networking with other pool guys, getting accounts here and there. But there wasn't really – there was no real um, – there's door, door hangers, things like that. And the, people also use those today. There was no Google Maps. You didn't know who had a pool who didn't have a pool back then. Um, I use a Thomas guide for so many years. Uh, they even, I don't know if they even sell those anymore, but you know, I've gone to the wrong account several times and you know, that's, that's really funny too when you're using a Thomas guide and someone calls you. Um, but basically it was just, <laughs> that's how you did it back then. There was no, no other way to market yourself except the, the organic way of kind of making relationships with builders and other pool guys. And, um, it's totally different now. Did you do a lot like door to door or anything like that, knocking or? Yeah, there was some of that when I could see they had a pool, but it was very hard to find out who had a pool. You know, there were no drones even back then, so. It was, um, <laughs> did you do no about? Drones. Really... <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's more diff- It was very difficult. It's nothing like today. So the guys today have it easy, I think. <laughs> yeah, technology definitely makes it a little bit easier. Different challenges, but for yeah. sure that side of it is. I think there's a lot of different challenges now because even if you don't show up on time, if you don't answer your phone, all these different things, they're going to wreck your reputation on the Internet. And that's how everybody's getting business out, whether they want to admit it or not. I mean, you're very lucky if you're grandfathered into a certain amount of accounts. And if you're doing a good job, they're going to stick with you. But, you know, when you're trying to gain new customers and you have a bad presence and you don't, you know, pick up your phone or your customer service is terrible, Nobody's going to want to deal with you. I mean, it's pretty crazy how many calls we get from people even over 50, 60 mm-hmm. years old. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, I found you on Nextdoor or on here. And you wouldn't, I think a lot of people wouldn't think that that is your demographic. But, you know, they're retired and they're surfing the net. And they're <laughs> that's how they're finding people now. Yeah, so. I agree. I think that's crucial, your online reputation. And I think... Um, a lot of guys, unfortunately, fake their reputation, too, which is kind of sad. It kind of hurts the whole industry. And you'll go to a website and you'll have, you know, 100 positive reviews from Yelp. And uh, if you look closely, a lot of them will be from, like, other states and areas. And um, I think that hurts us, too. I think I think people can overdo the online reputation. And that hurts the industry, too, because then you're not going to know who's real and who's not. Yeah, definitely. I don't. I, we've heard about this before, but I don't know how you really get fake reviews. I don't know. Do you deal with that much in California where you've seen people that just are not getting legitimate reviews? Because if like, because I know we even have some from like different states, but it's because they're half of our customers aren't even here in the summertime. So their accounts are from New York or they're from Florida or mm-hmm. somewhere else. So it's not really... You know what I mean? A lot of them could say they're from another state. So um, is that something you deal with over there? There are are a lot of people that have have done that. They get accounts. And 
Um, there's a lot of services, I think. I think at the pool show a couple years ago, there was one that would help you with your online reputation by giving you reviews and things like that. I didn't really spend too much time at that booth, but um, there's definitely services out there that will do that. Um, like anything, you can, you can build yourself up in, in a dishonest way. And But I, like I said, I think growing organically and getting the honest reviews is the best way to do it and the good word of mouth. And I think... I think the people that don't do that um, are hurting the industry. And there's also guys that hurt the industry by starting out in the business and working for six months and not showing up at the accounts and really ruining the, the industry that way, too. So it, it works both ways, I think. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more. Um, so some of those struggles you had, you know, back in the beginning, kind of figuring all that out. And I, I wouldn't want to trade you. I like how things are now. I don't want to sit with a map at a payphone. That sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> we do have it easy. and uh, Definitely so respect that game for yeah, sure. <laughs> that's, that's good. I couldn't imagine sitting with a map. Um, but how did, you, how did you really overcome a lot of those struggles, you know, in the beginning? I mean, were you reading manuals from like, you know, Hayward and Pentair and uh, Jandy? Uh, yeah, there was a mixture of both. There was, there was some of that, you know, where I would I would just talk to other guys when I run into them at the supply place. Um, definitely reading owner's manual products is something that's a lost art, I think. Um, there's If you're having trouble with something, look at the manual, and I, more than likely the answer is in there. So I found that to be um, the truth behind a lot of things. And a lot of my YouTube videos are basically me unpacking the owner's manual in the video. So I think that was really helpful reading those manuals. I think that coming from that era, it makes you actually read the manual. I talked a lot of manufacturers and a lot of them aren't even including manuals anymore. They have like a downloadable link because they found that people don't even read them. And I think that's something that um, as an industry, especially if you're a due service that you should read the, you know, the Pentair master temp 400 manual and see what's going on there. Um, it helps you educate yourself on a lot of things. And, but a lot of it was just, um, basically trial and error. You know, you learn things by making mistakes. Like, um, one of the tricks that I show in my video is when you can't get the pool primed and you're, you have above grounds, you have an attached spa, how you can kind of turn the valve partially to get the air, get the suction from the spa to go and then turn it slowly until you get a little bit of pool suction and the air comes out of the line. All that comes from just being out there with no one over your shoulder and you kind of try, try to figure things out. Um, a lot of the old pools that I did had like two skimmers, but they weren't built correctly, so there was no separate skimmer line. Mm. And if you want to connect a cleaner to it, how do you regulate the suction from one skimmer to another? <laughs> so I just came up with this little, they have a tool now, but I, back then I took a one and a half inch drain plug and I drilled holes in it. Then I was screwed in one skimmer to regulate the suction on one skimmer and give the other skimmer more suction. Things like that where you're just kind of thinking how to do something um, nowadays you would just of course go on youtube and you would find the solution right away um, or they have more products of course now than we had back then and um, so you know i found that silicone sealant is a great way to plug up a de grid when you don't have the grid and there's a small hole in it um, and then come back of course the next day or the next week with the, the grid to replace it with um, little tricks like that so it's basically kind of like being Maverick out there, you know? <laughs> and just, um, I'm MacGyver, I mean, not MacGyver, Maverick. Maverick's yeah. pilot. <laughs> Get it mixed up there. So, you know, MacGyver out there, and then you learn all these tricks, you know? Same with automatic cleaners. You learn how to, um, you know, when I first started, it was the Creepy Crawly and the Hayward Navigator. 
probably the two worst cleaners to adjust and, and work on. And so you learn how to do everything with, with the worst tech, you know. Um, automated systems were not out there. So uh, one of the tricks I show in one of my videos is that when you add chemicals to the pool, a good way to, to run the intermatic timer is to put another off tripper on there. So you turn it on at 10 in the morning, it'll turn off at 1, and it'll come back on its regular cycle, and little things like that. So um, a lot of the videos that I do, all those tricks are just from all the old stuff that I used to do out in the route. So when you – I'm we're seeing all these like new kind of products come out now and it's kind of hard to trust some of them, but were you seeing, I mean, you had to have seen Hayward, Jandy and Pantera come out, right? The three major players. And was that kind of a, how was that transition to kind of see these, them come from small to like this huge companies they are now? Yeah. So it kind of goes in waves, you know, cause, um, Purex was the go-to equipment. Pantera bought them out, I think, or absorbed them. And, you know, those old Purex pumps and motors, I have a couple of my routes still, and they're still running great. Um, and they built, they used to build everything here in Mexico or the United States. Now everything is made overseas. So it makes it um, kind of hard for quality control. So it kind of goes in waves. You know, Pentair, I think, as far as quality control, they've always had um, the edge on everyone else. But Jandy, of course, now they're really, really closing the gap with their quality of their product. And then Hayward, I think, right now is struggling because they just got bought out and they're having a lot of issues. So their quality control is probably down at this point compared to the other two. So, you know, it comes in waves. You know, Hayward was really big also when I was doing pools. And I think Jandy was non-existent basically back in the mm-hmm. 90s, 80s and 90s. So um, I think the wave, the waves, it comes and goes. And um, you're going to see Jandy be a big competitive Pentair right now. And Hayward, I don't know. I mean, they really got to make some changes to get their quality back up to that level. So, uh, yeah. So I mean, you saw basically Jandy come up and just kind of appear, right? I mean, <laughs> kind of become a player in the in the industry. Then, yeah, they're, they're it's an amazing company because I actually took the tour of the factory uh, a year ago, and they have a, the mindset. You call Jandy or Zodiac? It's confusing. There, there's so many companies yes. combined into one. <laughs> But that's the problem they're having, too. Yeah. They're actually being bought out. Do so you know that, right? Yeah. By Floridia. Floridia. Yeah. That's right. Floridia. Yeah. So they're gonna, the Jandy name's going to disappear, I think. So keep an eye out for that. But um, basically, they, they're they focused on quality control. When you call their, their tech support, they'll answer in a, a minute. Now, you call Pentair tech support, you, you better have an hour to kill and something <laughs> to do in between that and getting yes. someone on the line. So their focus is definitely customer service. They're real big fans of In-N-Out Burger, the way they do things. And so they're modeling themselves after these companies that focus on customer service over everything else, you know. And I think that that's something that the industry really needs to work on, too, the manufacturers as far as their customer service. Um, it's been lacking, you know, for the pool guys out here, too. And they're really coming to the plate now. I think the last couple of years, all of them are really helping with with these trade programs and all the things they're offering pool guys and companies to, to use their products. So there's definitely a change in, in the in the way they do things nowadays. And um, But Jandy, yeah, I'm really impressed with the way they've, they've taken over the market. Yeah, we agree. They've, they're definitely focusing on customer service, and they're also focusing on, I think, the pool industry and a big push compared to the others too. So it's pretty cool to see. Yeah. So, David, where would you say your company is at today uh, for the pool service? Yes. Yeah, so right now I think I would say that my um, my my focus is more on the online stuff today than it has ever been. 
um, the YouTube, the coaching site that I started, and um, just everything that I'm doing is more online focused versus being out there in the field. So my eventual goal is to, to have a really small route, you know, in the next couple of years and be more online with the with all the stuff I'm doing, the podcasts and everything else, because that's taken up a huge chunk of my free time and it really is a drain on my um, on everything that I'm doing because I'm doing I'm, I'm have a foot in both worlds right now so it's really difficult yeah, so I'm do sure. we <laughs> we, feel, <laughs> we feel your pain a little bit it's a uh, it's tough balancing both for sure yeah yeah so you know back to you know your pool service company are you acquiring a lot of new customers or were you um, from, you know, the YouTube channel and if they found out that you lived in Southern California where they're a lot trying to, you know, find your website and have you take care of their pool just because of, you know, your presence on YouTube? Yeah, just about every day. Like I have one, I forgot the email. You reminded me, but he wants service in, uh, yeah, (laughs) thank you. He wants service in Azusa, which is not too far from here, but I'm not taking any accounts on. So I give them to the guys in my group. There's quite a few local guys and I pass them on. I had one in Arcadia. I passed on to a guy a couple days ago. So um, I could probably have a 500 pools if I wanted to and have people working. But I just, I feel at my age, um, I'm not that old. I'm going to be 47. But I feel old because I've been doing this so long out there. Um, if you guys know, you, your body wears out. Um, I wear knee pads because my knees are shot. Um, I wear arthritis gloves to go to bed because my hands are shot. And um, that's one reason why I don't do a lot of repairs either, because my fine motion skills on my hands are pretty much worn out. So um, I don't do a lot of that either. So my body's worn out from doing it. I mean, athletes retire by, what, 41, 42, Brett Favre, 43 maybe. So you figure when you get older, this physical work takes a toll on you. So I think a lot of guys, what they should be thinking of is – starting a company and hiring young people to do the work while they do all the management. And when I see guys out there in their 60s doing pool service, I think you need a better plan because you can't sustain that. You know, you should be the brains behind the operation and have people working for you and, and helping the next generation get out there. You shouldn't be out there doing that. So my transition when I get into my early 50s is not to be out there doing this, but being doing other things to help people. Definitely. When did you realize that you didn't want to hire other people to be doing that stuff for you? Because I'm sure you could have done that a long time ago, hired technicians and trained people and things like that. Yeah, so um, I have a good friend that I trained back in 1990, and he's got a pretty huge pool route. I think he has 23 trucks. And from him, he's always telling me, I wish I was just me back in the old days doing it by myself. Because there's a lot. California is really tough. Um, they recently just revamped the uh, 1099 independent contractor law. So, you know, if you if you have a barber, so not just for pools, but if you have a barber shop, you can't rent your chairs out anymore to people to do haircutting as a 1099 independent contractor because you're doing a like business. Oh wow! So, yeah, it's really ruined the industry out here, I think. And then the workers' comp is so. Um, debilitating for a business owner out here and the payroll taxes and all this so it makes it really difficult to take on an employee and to be honest with you this is my pet peeve with this generation too and 
um, people don't want to work. They don't want to work out there doing this kind of work. So I think to find someone to, to actually do the work is, is difficult. Yeah, so that kind of leads us to our next question. Um, so why do you, you know, believe in, you know, helping people out so much and, you know, just kind of, because you can tell you're really trying to help out as many people as possible, whether it be the homeowner or somebody that wants to start a pool company. Yeah, because I think the industry has a bad rap, you know. Um, the you industry it deserves needs to, it? To get, in a way, it does because no one's been out there kind of guiding it and leading it. And I think the manufacturers are have, have a lot to blame for that. Uh, they're focused on making money and getting their product out there, but they're not focused on building up um, an army basically behind them. Um, you know that 85% of the pools are done by homeowners out there across the country. So the pool industry is not a huge part of that. And it's I think it's the fault of the fact that the reputation that we get, because a lot of a lot of it is a lack of training and knowledge and information. They have trade they have trade shows, things like that. And I think now Pentair is doing a lot of um, training outside of trade shows, and so is Zodiac. But for a long time they weren't. And so, how can you have an industry um, sustain itself without training, without knowledge, without mentors, without any kind of um, associations that are going to keep everyone um, on a level playing field? Because Anyone can get a truck and a pole and get out there and get accounts, but it doesn't mean they know what they're doing. So I think it's an industry-wide problem that, that we perpetuated by not focusing on the fact that we are a trade industry. And now I think it's different. I think the last – I would say the last three or four years, there's been a real push to make this a trade industry and make pool service on a level with the plumber, the plumbing industry type of thing because we probably know more than a plumber knows. I mean – um, or we're up there with the plumber, but people don't respect us in that that regard. We're taking care of a of a twenty thousand gallon body of water that you know could potentially make you sick if it's not cared for properly. Mm-hmm. Um, commercial accounts, you know, there's what one or one or two million commercial accounts out there, and people overlook the fact that when they go to a hotel or they go on vacation, that someone's actually taking care of that pool and make sure that you're not going to get sick and die basically by swimming in it. So our industry has a bad rap, and I think. Um, one of my goals is to change that and educate people that, you know, this is an industry that is great to work in and we need a lot of young people to get out there and, and, and do this right. Yeah, we couldn't agree more and we have to kind of uplift this all as a community because in order to get that generation to take this serious and learn everything, we're going to have to start paying them more money and they deserve it, you know, to be to be paid more to stick around and learn a trade. But we can't do that if... We're not, as a whole, charging more for, you know, weekly pool service and chemicals and all those different things because it costs a ton of money to do things the right way and get these guys CPO certified and make them employees and, you know, make sure that they have medical benefits and, you know, they get a raise maybe once a year every six months. Like, all that stuff takes an insane amount of, you know, money and time and um, we can't do that if you're only charging, you know, 90 bucks a month for pool service. It's just... It's just doesn't make any sense you know yeah and I, th- I think that's also the fault of the industry too because again that image that uh, we just clean your pool and i think the other the flip side of that image is that we actually keep you from getting sick you know we we, we keep you healthy we keep your kids healthy um cleaning the pool is, is nothing anyone can do that it's the other part of it that's the important part the fact that you're not going to have bacteria in there the fact that the water quality is going to be good it's going to be swim ready. And I think that's one thing the industry needs to really push, and we don't. Um, 
you know, I don't know if they have to change the name. I don't know what it is. But when you say pool service, people always think about the maintenance of the pool. No one thinks about the chemistry and about keeping the water balanced and healthy. And I, I don't know what that would take to change that. That, um, But I think that's one thing that why people don't want to pay a lot of money because they think we're just like the gardeners cleaning their yard. Is You can't die from walking on your grass, you know. We could definitely die if the pool's not healthy. Yeah, we definitely try to educate our customers when we do bids on what we actually do, you know, because and it's kind of silly to us sometimes when they complain about like one leaf here or there sitting on top of the pool because, you know, yes, it's it is our job to skim the pool. But I mean, if the wind blows and a leaf falls in it, that's not the majority of our job. You know, the majority of the job is the water chemistry, figuring out you know, how to balance that correctly, like you said, to keep people safe. Also, you know, we're, we're sort of plumbers, sort of electricians, sort of, you know, it's, it, we have all this knowledge on the equipment where we're expected to maintain this and they, they don't know what they're doing. You know, majority of the time they'll, they'll just, they don't even see the leaks we see. They don't see, they don't see that the pump's not priming correctly. Cause just cause you see water moving in the pot doesn't mean it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. You know, you got the bat pressure, your filters at 40 PSI, you know, you haven't backwashed in who knows how long, like, you know, there's a, just cause water is like sort of moving doesn't mean it's working correctly. You know, we try to definitely go through the, the quality of service they're receiving and what they're actually receiving to educate them and show them like, no, we're not just here to push a pole. You know, that's, like you said, most anybody can do that. It's the education part, the the knowledge that they're paying for, and you need to show them that they're paying for that knowledge and not just, you know, you clean the pool. But we get complimented yeah. all the time by the transparency and just being proactive because even doing an initial pool service bid, it's everything. Is this gate going to be locked? Do we get a key? Can we make sure that there's a hide a key? Can we put a combination lock on there? Put that in the notes clean the filter every six months and if it needs to be done sooner we're going to let you know but there will be a card on file we will let you know where would you like your grids cleaned at where would you like your cartridges cleaned at you know what i mean after we get done we're going to take a picture of the wall that we're doing it next to to make sure that you know because we get you know get complaints that you sprayed off cartridges and all the crap went all over the wall or you know you bit made a big mess with the you know with the diatomaceous earth all over the grass so I think it's that level of transparency and getting it all out there in the front and looking at what am I trying to do with my business? Okay, let's put it in a service agreement and talk about it, not just you know putting together a five-page service agreement and like, yeah, just sign it, and they don't look at it. It's like really going through it with them because that's going to gain a good customer because they might say, uh, that's way too much. I didn't think it was that serious. Well, you know what? You're not the customer for us because we take this serious and our customers need to take this serious too because... You, it's not serious until it becomes a problem. You know, when you get home and there's, you know, your backwash hoses rolled out in the middle of the yard or something like that. And it's like, I thought you guys were going to do this or, you know what I mean? I thought you were going to do a service call and there's photos and notes, um, you know, cause that's what you guys pitch. But, you know, and we, we haven't been taking on, you know, service for pr- probably about a month or so um, just because we're trying to take care of our current customer base and we don't want to bite more than we can chew. You know, and I think there's not too many people that do that, you know, just take, take, take. And it's like, if it doesn't, if it's not making sense and you can't take care of, you know, your current customer base, it shouldn't be taking on new stuff. Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, you guys have it down good out there. So, and you got the 100 degree weather all, all summer. So that's another factor too, you know. Oh my gosh, it's it's out of control. Even mixed in with the monsoons, it's, 
it's actually kind of crazy that a lot of customers don't really understand even the new ones coming in. Cause I mean, we get so many calls and it's like, they're wanting to fire their pool guy because their pool looks like crap. And we stick up for them in a way. Cause we're like, we don't know what company you're talking about, but we've dealt with some of the craziest storms that we've ever had. I mean, trees are blowing over, knocking people's houses over, you know, trees are knocking over pool equipment. There's trees and pools, there's boulders and pools. There's barbecues in pools. I mean, <laughs> shit, you name it. Kids are getting blown into pools, man. It's just, it's unreal. And it's, they don't understand that a body of water is not a natural thing. And when shit is blowing into it, it's going to take a second to get it back on track. And it doesn't help when, you know, another storm comes a week later. It's just, I think there's like this, because we talked about it when we were kids seeing a swimming pool, you didn't think anything of it. You didn't think about water chemistry and adding things to it. You're just like, that's a blue pool nice i'm gonna enjoy it that's it and i think that's how a lot of other people see it until you start having to take care of it like why does it look like that like i thought it was just supposed to be like perfect all the time i'm not sure why but now that you're explaining it to me i guess that makes sense (laughs) exactly do you do certain things to educate your customers on like that yeah i'm thinking about doing something um i'm working on an idea to educate um, you just send them a YouTube and, link. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, but there's definitely there's definitely something that needs to be done to educate the customers, and I think um, you know I think that I think one of the questions you were asking also is um, is it counterintuitive um, to have the, all the videos and the pool service and like ed- educating the customers does it hurt the service industry in a way? Um, but I don't think so. I think when a customer is ignorant, it makes your job a lot harder. They don't understand why they have to keep the water level up. They don't understand why they have to run their pump more than two hours a day. Um, they don't understand why certain things happen. So I think a certain level of education, just like when you go to a mechanic, a good mechanic will tell you why you have to change your oil, why you have to you know, change your transmission fluid, why this, this part of the car needs to be done. And, of course, you can do your own oil change and do your own work on your car but um he educates you for a reason because he wants you to know that if you don't do this you could damage your vehicle and i think it's the same with pools i think what i put out there is educate people that this is what you have to do to keep the pool running and if you have a pool service this is going to help them a lot and you know not adding water to the pool and letting it get below the skimmer doesn't help anybody you know you get to a pool like that it's very frustrating and nothing is running and everything is um the pool could be even turning green at that point so i think Mm -hmm. it really helps to have the customers kind of know um one of the things big things that i tell one i said this on a few of my podcasts kind of jokingly is customers should not touch anything you know (laughs) and i've had many customers say um oh i emptied the pump basket out for you because i saw some leaves in there and you get back there and like the O-ring's not in there. It's on the ground, you know? <laughs> the pool's not running for the whole week. So baskets in backwards. The, <laughs> oh yeah, I see a lot of that. That's the funny one, basket and backwards. Hard to even tell until you take it out sometimes. Especially one of those gigantic uh, you know, North Star pumps. <laughs> but um, yeah, I've had customers take those lids off. Like, I can't get this lid back on, I don't know what happened, you know? Well, don't take those lids off. Those are impossible to get on even for us, you know. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Definitely so, hands off the equipment for sure. So you want to try something, pick up a pole and a net and start skimming. You can, I'll let you do that. 
<laughs> yeah, right? Or they empty the skimmer basket and don't put it back in. I've had that happen a few times. I'll get there and it's on the deck. You know, it's like uh, the basket goes back in after you empty it. <laughs> you know? oh, for sure. So Yeah, I definitely wanted to ask that question about being counterintuitive because I know you do a lot with between pool service and homeowners. Um, but I think we used to talk about – when we first started doing the business, um, we used to like, think we liked the people that had no idea what, about a pool or what to do or like the new homeowners moving into taking over and never had a pool before. We used to think those were the best and those are the worst because they have they want to like bug you and learn these things and they don't, have, they don't know why you're doing things. I think the best customers for us now are the ones that have, ha- have been through a couple pool guys or tried to take care of it themselves and understand how difficult it is because they really appreciate, you know, a good quality service. So they're definitely better when they have a little bit of knowledge for sure. Or they think they know. I think so. Yeah, and I think um, you know people that are going to do their own pools are going to do their own pools, and people that are going to repair their own cars are going to do their own cars. For a long time there, I did my own oil change, I did my own brakes, and it got to the point where it was like, you know what, I'm just going to pay my guy to do it, even though he charges 180 bucks for the brakes, I can do it for you know 60 bucks, but it's it's worth it for me to just take it in and have him do it. And I think that people that do their own pool, a lot of times they have no choice but to do it themselves because they're in an area where there's no good service. Or they have the time and they want to do it themselves. And it's not going to impact the industry in any way. I think there's a definite, definitely a category for pool service and a category for do-it-yourself. And I don't think um, there's much crossover there. You think it's just their mentality that they're going to do it themselves regardless, basically? Basically. I mean, my dad, he's uh, 71 years old. He's got a pool in Indio in California here that's like 120 degrees in the summer. Mm-hmm. And he does it himself. He won't hire anybody. you know. And he could. He has the resources to hire somebody, but he won't because he likes doing it himself. So you're going to see a lot of that, I think, in the industry. Um, so I, I think those that want service, like, you know, there's there's doctors on my route. I can never see them out there doing their pool. You know, there's single moms. I can never see them doing their pool. And there's people that are just too busy. I mentioned a lot of times in, in my videos and podcasts that if you don't have the time to do it yourself, you got to hire somebody because um, it's going to turn on you very quickly. So, And a lot of people realize, hey, I don't have time to do this. You know, It's just, it's just impossible to fit into my schedule. I'm going to hire somebody. And to be honest with you, the rates that we charge are nowhere near the rates you would pay for a house cleaner or for a gardener or for a plumber to do some work on your house. I mean – um, so it's, it's very affordable. I mean, you mentioned that it's probably hurting the industry that it's affordable, but I think it also helps to see it that way too, that I can hire someone to do my pool. And it's not going to kill me. You know, not, a lot of the properties that I service, the gardener charges $400 a month because they're gigantic, um, lawns to maintain. Um, so there's definitely a, a, a trade off there as far as uh, do it yourselfers and the people that are going to hire people They're they're going to either hire you or they're not. That's basically the way I see it. How old's your oldest customer? Do you have some from like when you first started? I don't because I'm in a, a little different service area than that. So, oh. but I've had I've got customers that I've been doing the pool for 15 years, and um, you know, same customer. They've seen me before I had my son. They see my son growing up, and all the Christmas cards I send every every year. Uh, so I have a lot of long term clients that that um, that I've been with for a long time. So, um, you know, I, I really don't have anyone quit service, basically. It's just they move away is what happens, or they pass away in some cases, which is unfortunate. Um, a lot of the clientele are older that I service, so um, that's something that happens. 
Okay. Yeah, and this sure. isn't one of the, this isn't on our questions, but I'm just kind of curious what you think about reverse osmosis. Cause we don't talk to too many pool service companies out in California, but I know that's a bigger thing for you guys. Yeah. So I, I talked to the guy at the trade show, um, every year I talk to him and, um, basically I think the truck that they have now is probably the best truck out of all the ones that I've seen. The one at the last show, I believe it saves 90% of 90% of the water, um, with this new truck that they have. And he's got all these, he's got sand filters in there. He's got particle filters. And one of the things that he mentioned, which I thought was a, a key point that you don't think about is that if in California, a lot of the pools are saturated with cyanuric acid because we use tablets. There's been no rain, hardly any rain. We had one year of rain and no one really drains and refills their pools much because of the restrictions and the supposed restrictions and the higher water bills they get by doing that. And so the saturation of cyanuric acid is pretty high. And one of the things that he talked about about this is that if you were just to drain a pool down and refill it, the cyanuric acid can stay in the plaster and kind of leak back into the pool and you don't eliminate it. It's still there. But what they do, they pull it all out. I mean, they pull all the cyanuric acid out of the pool, which I think is one of the key factors in the process. And according to him, they're just so busy with with service calls that they have no time. I mean, they have, they're trying to sell their truck out here to other people to do the service. So it'll be big, I think. It's going to get bigger. I talked to the guy originally who started it in San Diego about five years ago. It almost bankrupt him when he started the business. Um, but this is one truck. It cost 150000 to build his truck. And he had no business. No one knew, even knew what it was. So he was just trying to get work. But now he's so busy, he doesn't even leave his little area in San Diego. So definitely going to be big, I think, in the future. Yeah. Um, over, I don't know, you have restrictions in your area as far as draining? No, um, not really. No, they threaten it quite a bit as far as the <laughs> drought, but it hasn't really been put in place yet where we can't drain them. So the only restrictions we have is really trying to find cleanouts that are buried and stuff, but... Yeah. No, not too much. It's at the wild, wild west out here. <laughs> but I remember yeah, talking I to him at the trade show. Was that the gentleman? I know he was on the news when California was going through that big drought. Did he have his truck inside the actual trade show and he was next to the wall? Like if you walked in the yeah. trade show to the left? That was him, yeah. Yeah, I talked to him for a while. He's a very cool guy. And uh, he was walking us through the whole entire thing. And I just thought it was pretty cool because, um, you know, really have too many reverse osmosis trucks out here, but it was cool to think that you could actually be swimming in your pool in the summertime and actually go through that process of taking the water out and filtering it and putting it back into the pool. And like you said, you know, 90% is going back in, but it's filtered and it's, you know, it's better water going back in. Yeah. So you guys buy a truck then? (laughs) No, No, not for Arizona. (laughs) But I mean, we do acid washers as well. So, you know, usually when we do a drain out here starting in the fall is we drain a pool and then we do like a muriatic acid um, bath on the whole surface of the pool. And we work with tile cleaning companies that, you know, half the time will come in and, you know, everybody wins. They get, you know, good work. You get a tile clean out of it and the pool's empty and we come in and, you know, do an acid wash and get fresh water back in and, um, you know, yeah, it's a lot of our repair division in the wintertime is is doing acid washes and draining pools. I've, I could see in California if you didn't have that, might might be more difficult in the wintertime for sure. Um, I wanted to ask... Yeah, it's not, 
it's not politi- it's not really politically correct to drain a pool in California. I mean, it's just <laughs> that's something that we do, you know. Right. <laughs> we don't even have we're not gonna have straws out here next year, so you know. I've heard about that. That's crazy. <laughs> I wanted to ask one question. Since you've had customers for fifteen years, I mean, we've had some that we've had for like five plus years now. But have you gone through where you've raised their prices at all, or is that something you have have done? And how did you do that? Yeah, that's a tough part of the industry too. You know, because there's so much competition out there, and it's like a, a level playing field in California. A lot of areas are like that. Florida is, is like that too where you know but the demand here for service is pretty high so it's i i really don't think you need to you can always get new clients at a higher rate and keep some people that you've had a long time because a lot of them are on a fixed income they complain about a lot of things but i charge we charge for everything outside of the acid and chlorine here in california we charge for the tablets we charge for algaecide we charge for the filter cleaning so if you add it all up, there's a lot of money to be made outside the service charge itself. But the difficulty anyone has is raising prices here in California because it's such a hard, I don't know, it's a psychological thing that everything's so darn expensive already mm-hmm. that it's crazy out here, you know. It's just ridiculous. I mean, the medium home price in my area is, um, what is it, 630000 So it's just a crazy way to live. So. Wow. I don't know. It's just it's one of those things where um, it's difficult to do that, you know. And but you have to do it to keep up with inflation, of course. But it's not something that you want to do where you raise it more than ten dollars a, a month on, on a customer because it gets kind of scary at that point for them. Yeah. So I always tell people that you want to set a higher rate for the new clients coming in, and they kind of wean off the lower paying clients on your route um, because it's it could be difficult to raise rates across the board but you know it just depends on the area I think some areas could take it easily like Temecula here um, it's a growing area and you can charge a lot more than someone else charges with no problem and you can raise rates no problem but there's other areas where um, it's much more difficult to do that so I think it's area dependent and it's service dependent too like um, how you have your customer set up, have, how you have your business set up. I think those guys that do the all-inclusive rate, filter cleaning, tablets, all the chemicals, and they charge a flat fee, have a harder time because psychologically you see this big number of 130, 150, and to raise that up is harder than guys like me that are charging you know, 95 to 100, but then we charge outside everything else outside the service. So it's kind of one of those things where it's, how you bill and how you charge but it's always a difficult thing you ask anyone it's it's really difficult to do that do customers feel like you you nickel and dime them then if you're charging for every chemical or because i feel like that as i guess a concern of ours when we first started doing it was we felt like customers don't like the the bill fluctuating so much a month is that something anything you do with no, I mean, I, I I like using the analogy of the mechanic. You know, you go to, you go get the oil change, and the guy says, "Well, you need also need a fuel filter, and you're going to need, um, you know, a, a belt. One of your belts is worn out, so I'm going to charge you for the parts and labor." I mean, he's not nickel and diming you; he's selling you something that you need. And I think customers will will have to start looking at at that way. Is that, you know, we have a monthly service rate, and then I put a Polar X in your pool, and then your cleaner needs um, new tracks on it. Um, this is all going to be parts that I charge you if you, you know, 
you need conditioner, I'm going to charge you for a bottle of liquid conditioner. I, I like the liquid stuff. It's really cool. It's very easy to use. I'm going to charge you, you know, $34 for that gallon of liquid conditioner. And so they get kind of used to that. And you don't charge them that all the time. So they have that monthly rate. And then every six months you hit them with a filter charge. And you hit them with a tablet charge at the beginning of the season. So they kind of know when the charges are coming. So they're set up for it. But I think, for me, I think that's the best way to do it because then your profit is not, profit is such a hard thing to do. And if you're including all the chemicals in it, um, your profit can go down. If they raise the tabs from, you know, $85 a bucket to $95 a bucket, that $10, you absorb it versus the customer absorbing it. So I think that's one thing that I think for business setup, the guy that trained me, Doug Ward, back in the day, he, um, he did that too. Everything was itemized for him. That's how he set up his route. He was kind of out of the box too because back then no one did that. He was doing it that way too. He would itemize them for all the chemicals. He would even charge them for acid and chlorine wow. outside of the service charge. Yeah. He would charge them if uh, he would write down one-fourth gallon of acid and charge, a, I don't know, 80 cents. One gallon of chlorine, charge like $1.80. But he was even itemizing stuff that I include, the acid and chlorine, which is really out of the box. But um, I think that's the way to do it to make money. Because your mechanic does the same thing. He doesn't tell you, oh, it's going to be $300, and he includes all the parts. You, you go pick up your car, all the parts are itemized, what he pays for them, and what you pay for them. I mean, he doesn't tell you what he pays for them, but what you pay for them and, and the labor. So I think that's the best way to do the business setup, and that way you can charge for every everything. And so you are nickel and diming the customers, and maybe a few will feel that way. You know, you I charge even for an O-ring for a whisper flow pump, you know. Um, I'm not going to say the wholesale totally. cost here, but... <laughs> but they get a charge for, you know, $7 for an O-ring, and they're like, well, what is this, you know? Well, I'm nickel and diming you, you know, <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you say you do a, just a, way, a, a tab charge in the beginning of the season? What, what is that? Yeah. Yeah, tablets. They, the customer pays for a 50-pound bucket of tablets at the beginning of the season, and we leave it at their house so oh. so that it's there, yeah. Gotcha. Um, it's pretty standard in California to do that because the tablets are, are part of the – the maintenance of some of the pools here. Yeah, we so use our really tablets too. But yeah. Hmm. Then they just don't mind. You just put it by the equipment or something. They don't. They don't mind it sitting there. Yeah, just buy their equipment, and then we just you know it stays there the whole time, and just, they last about a season and a half here in California, depending if you use a Polar X in the pool or not. Right. That's a pretty good idea. I like that one. Thank you guys so much for listening so far. We will jump right back into it with David and discuss YouTube and a lot of other things he's excited about. Just want to mention a few things here. We will be attending the International Pool Spa and Patio Show, which is October 31st to November 2nd, and we will be at a booth with Jobber. So come by. We'll have a bunch of swag for sale you guys can get, and you know we are truly excited to meet each and every one of you if you are attending. So come by, talk with us, get to know us. Also, as I mentioned, we'll be with Jobber, so you guys can check that out as well. We'll be setting apart some time to discuss how we use Jobber, and it's pretty exciting. So we have you guys are will attend and get more knowledge and get educated and you know spend some time with us there as well as checking out the rest of the expo and the vendors so everything is great there we went last year in orlando and you know i can't say enough about it so if you have the opportunity to go out there you know definitely recommend doing so also you know if you want give us some feedback go to, to our website poolchaser.com fill out the feedback form go through the process and we'll get you a shirt or some other swag so thank you for that also check out the pool chasers facebook group it has been amazing in there There's 
there's so much positivity. Everybody's helping one another. And we're so excited that that platform is there for everybody. And from the feedback we've received, everybody in there is super happy with everything they're getting. So, you know, thank you guys who have joined so far. It's been an honor being in there with you and watching you guys help each other out. That's the whole purpose of the community, you know. Thank you guys. And we will jump right back into it after word from our sponsor. What's going on, everybody? This episode is brought to you by Jobber. Jobber is by far our favorite tool for collecting deposits, payments, scheduling customer jobs, and assigning tasks to a specific person on our team. If you're looking for a better way to stay organized, this is it. I don't even know how we did things before Jobber. If you have any questions, their customer service team is out of this world. Jobber is so cool that they are hooking up all of our listeners with a free 14-day trial. Just visit getjobber.com backslash pool chasers. That's getjobber.com backslash pool chasers. Try it out. We promise you won't be disappointed. So let's kind of jump into the YouTube a little bit. Uh, we, we have so much respect for you um, for doing what you do for so long because, you know, in the very beginning when I was trying to learn the industry, your videos alone helped me learn so much, um, you know, especially on the repair side. And it was just kind of, you know, it's, it's a real honor for us to have you on here. And, you know, because it's, I think a lot of the industry definitely learns from you and has learned so much from your YouTube channel and from your ability to share your, you know, your want to share and grow it. I think, you know, thank you so much for doing that, first of all, because it's definitely how we learned a lot of things. So, um, you know, what, what made you want to start the YouTube channel? What brought you to do that to help everybody? And, you know, what pushed you in that direction? Yeah, so it was actually on a whim. My brother-in-law was over here one day. He saw me doing something out in the backyard, and he said, hey, why don't you film a video on how to take care of a pool? And I thought about it for a little bit. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I could probably do that. So um, his idea was just for me to film, you know, how-to videos. And and so I did. I filmed my first couple videos, put them up there, and they really took off. You know, the growth organically was really quick. People liked the content. Um they knew that my motivation was to be helpful and the information I was putting out there was going to help them with their pool care and so it was actually just something he mentioned hey why don't you film a video and I did and it took off from that moment it was in March 2012 when I I did my first video yeah that one was on the the sinus cure ice cream and artificial flavor causes (laughs) dude I got a big kick out of that that was my test video, actually. I wanted to see, um, basically, I wanted to do a video that wasn't pool-related to see if I can test how to put it up there, how to build it, title it, things like that. Um, so I wanted to do something. That was my, People always talk about that first video, too. I just had a guy mention it last week. It was actually pretty um, informative. Worked, <laughs> yeah, and I wanted to see how it worked. And I realized that, I think my first two videos, I was in front of the camera, and I realized that, hey, you know what? Um I don't want to be in front of the camera. It's not, it does not my natural way of doing things. I'm not. I'm not into that. And so I moved behind the camera for the future videos. Um, but yeah, that sinus cure video. It actually works. I don't eat ice cream anymore or cheese, and no sinus problems. There you go. Bang. <laughs> so what was the actual first video you did on pools? Was it was just like a, the how-to video on on the how filter to, clean how to service it. Yeah, that's later on you're gonna ask me my one of my favorite videos, and that was one of them, the clean and clear cartridge filter and getting out of debt. I kind of combined two things that I like in the one, one video. Um, that was the first thing. That was the first video I filmed. 
um, way back then. So you were just going out on a normal day to clean your filter and your brother-in-law was like, hey, let's record you doing it? Basically, he said I should do that because I, you know, I, I was doing so much stuff. I had a, it was my, at my pool here and I was just doing a lot of stuff back there one day. And he said that that could be really helpful because there's not a lot of people doing that, which there weren't back then. There's still not that many. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty impressive to start on YouTube in 2012 because that was not that was still not even very popular at that time. Um, you know, and seems like you were doing the Dave Ramsey um, kind of program prior to all of that. So when he kind of gave you that idea for YouTube, was some of that an influence as well to kind of get that word out and also, you know, maybe... Um, help build another you know income resource i think so i think you know in the back of my head i thought i didn't know that you could monetize videos when i first started i had no idea that you could make you know money on ads in the video i was pretty naive with youtube i just was making the videos to, to put them out there and help people at that point um i don't think i figured out how to monetize them until six or seven months later that's when i started to figure hey you could put ads in front of the videos and do this uh, i watched a few videos on how to do that um, but my original goal was just to make videos to be helpful. And um, if YouTube wants to run ads in front of them, then um, I'm all for it, you know, at that point. And I think a lot of it was the Dave Ramsey motivation, too. And I think you're going to ask me later about that, too. Yeah. Um, but So how did you, you know, you started doing that. I actually like the fact that you're you're behind the camera, to be honest. I think it's cool. It's, um, you know, a point of view on those videos because it kind of makes you feel like you're doing it you know while you're watching it i think that's that's an awesome way to do it so how did you kind of squeeze that into your regular data service you know servicing your clients did you always have around 90 pools and doing it that way or how did you squeeze that in mm. i actually had more pools back then but um it was just i just filmed it and then i just did some quick editing when i got home and i think back then um i had more energy to do that i think i was the enjoyment level of making the videos kept me putting them up there i was putting up like a video every two days at that at that time and um i was just filming everything i was doing i realized hey you know what everything i'm doing out here is important you know like someone get a tip from everything that i do and so i just started filming everything at the at the job site. First, I started with a regular camera, and I dropped it in the pool one day, and it got ruined. So then I, <laughs> I, I switched I switched over to the waterproof cameras. And I've, I've gone through like 10 cameras. They don't last very long when you're filming every day. Were you using the GoPro after that? I don't like the, the uh, fisheye lens. I tried those. It just makes the videos kind of distorted. So I have um, – I'm using a – what am I using right now? I think I'm using a Nikon right now. That's my camera I'm using. But I use all different brands. Uh, the best was a Sony that I had, but they stopped making that one. But I, I also use um, the Canon Rebel cameras for some shots outside of the pool. Um, but basically, you know, I just carried the camera with me and I filmed everything that I was doing. How do you film if it's not attached to you like a GoPro? You just How do you hold the camera or how do you get that point of view? Yeah, so a lot of my first videos were kind of shaky. What was that movie that was really shaky? Um the horror movie, I can't remember what it's called, but anyway, oh, that's a, they were kind of shaky because I'm, I'm, I know you probably can't remember the it one either. in the woods. What's uh, that one in the film? Yeah, Witch yeah, Project? By Witch Project, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, so mine looked kind of like that at first because then I started using a, tri- uh, try using a, a tripod after a while because I got some complaints. It's like, hey man, you can't hold that camera straight or what, you know? All the trolls came out, were like, you tell them to on piss me, off so. and make their own videos. <laughs> Just kidding, I, I should have yeah. said it for you if I knew about it. 
Yeah, so then I, I use a tripod now when I'm out there. Um, I have different size tripods that I use. Um, but and I hold it in my hand once in a while too. But I'm getting old, so my hands are shaky. So, yeah. So you kind of just set the tripod up right next to you, and well, has, has your customers ever like been like, "What are you doing with that?" Yeah, it's kind of awkward. They come out, I have to like stand in front of the tripod, you know. Oh, hi, Mr. Jones. Uh, oh, nothing, nothing going on. But yeah, it's uh, it gets awkward, you know. Do you have um, to tell them that you're famous? You say, I don't know if you know this, yeah. but my YouTube channel has over 23 million views, so <laughs> that's what I'm doing. She, yeah, uh, 29 million. So. Ooh, <laughs> man, you better change that banner. <laughs> I know. I gotta get. I gotta fix my. I'm lazy on the banners. I gotta fix this. Hey, when it comes um, to the millions, man, you gotta switch that. That's I know. So, that's I, very I, impressive. I, I got a few that I have to change still. I, I guess I do so many things that I get. get I'll get around to it eventually. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I, I think um, I have a few customers that watch my videos and things like that. But most of the time, they don't care. You know, uh, I don't make it really blatant that I'm filming. I usually try doing it when there's no one around. Um, I kind of know who's home and who's not. So, and I get all the footage I need, and I come home and I edit it. So. It works out really well. I've been doing it like that for six years. So it's really cool that you include your your son in that as well, especially if he enjoys it. Man, I know if I was a kid, especially at this day and age, man, I'd eat that up. Especially, and you're paying him. Like, what could be sweeter <laughs> than that? Show him how to do the banners next. Could be handling everything. I should, you know. <clears throat> Show him how to edit. That'd be the thing, you know. Yeah, but I'm sure you have that editing down. I mean, do you have like a I don't know. Do you have like a process that you go through where it's just, you know, you film this, you export it, you know, you edit it a certain way. You have this different artwork that you do. You have that down pretty well now. I do. You know, it's funny. I don't script anything when I go out there. I, what I'll do is if I'm filming a product like um, a robot or something. I'll read the manual. That's one of the, the keys. And I'll, I'll like if I'm filming like the um, I can't even think of a cleaner, like the Polaris 9550 Sport. I'll actually read the manual a few days ahead of time and absorb that manual and then when i go out there i'm just talking and i may stop and check a point here and there if i need to but i don't script anything i'm just out there talking and off the fly and then i take it home and i edit it and i if i do make a mistake i'll refilm a clip if i say something wrong i'll refilm it later and put it back in there or do a voiceover but um really i don't script anything i don't take a lot of time doing that I think that's because of my early days of doing the service, I just was out there on my own doing it, and it kind of comes natural to me just to do the recording and, and talk from the from the hip, you know. And then I edit it. I've I've edited over 800. Well, I have a channel for my wife too, where she reads books, so I, I I've edited probably close to 900 videos now. So it kind of wow. comes second nature when you do that many videos. Definitely, yeah, for sure. Do you um. Where do you test? Do a lot of the product testing videos? Is that on your own personal pool, or do you just, you do that in your customers too? Yeah, I have a select few pools that I use it on. I have I have some dog accounts that are always dirty, so if I'm doing like the Power Vac or Riptide, I'll go to one of those accounts that I know they're going to be totally wasted every week. Um, I have some really nice pristine pools that I, I use it on. I like tile. I have a, I have a couple tile pools that I film in. Um, I like the dark colored plaster. I like the way it looks, so I have that, those in a lot of my videos. Um, but you know, generally, I have access to um, you know eighty different pools I can use week to week, and um, I have a lot of products in customers' pools right now that I just given it, give them them for free because I film it, and I leave it there. So I have robots in pools, I have suction side cleaners in pools, 
Um, so whatever I when, when I film something, I'll just leave the product there for them to use, and, and they appreciate that. That's for sure. They they enjoy having the free product. That's I'm pretty, sure that helps with that with if you see with your tripod out there recording. <laughs> also, yeah. thought it was pretty cool. You said in one of your episodes that you don't just put on. Um, you don't just review any product. You actually, to some degree, believe in it and actually use it. And I think that's super cool because somebody could easily go in and, I mean, there's a million different pool products out there, but, you know, you've decided to, you know, stick with certain ones. What was your kind of reasoning yeah. behind that? Because you could have easily been like, this one, just stay away from it. I'm not going to show you anything else. Like, just stay away from it. But Yeah, so my reasoning behind that is that, you know, people have to make a living and I don't know, maybe I'm being codependent here, but I feel like if I were to destroy their product, which I've heard from a lot of people, they're afraid of me. Like if I get their product and review it and I could destroy their company, that they're going to be out of work. They're, they have families. And when I tell people that give me a product that's pretty bad, that's, that in a word's terrible, I tell them, you need to rework this. Can you rework something here and maybe I'll review it later? Because I can't make a video of this because I'm going to, it's going to be, your product's going to get trashed on this video. Um, and so that's basically how I operate. I don't want to ruin somebody, you know, and, um, some of the stuff I don't film, you can look at the reviews on the better business bureau or, um, wherever Amazon, and you can see the product is really bad. Um, so I won't touch it for that reason. And I do get products that have defects once in a while, like some Aquabot cleaners may fail. And then I'll tell the manufacturer, this needs to be improved here. This needs to be, you need to improve this part of the product here. A suction side cleaner that has a defect, I'll tell the manufacturer that this is this is a problem with this cleaner. Um, can you address that? Like Hayward, I, Hayward has the, um, what is it, the small canisters, the um, W530. Is that the small one with the, the, with the um, plastic? With the, yeah, the leaf yeah. canister with mm-hmm. the plastic insert. Mm-hmm. Well, they changed it to black. They changed the insert to black. I saw that. So I emailed my... I emailed my contact at Hayward and said, hey, who's the guy who thought of the black canister insert? Because you can't tell if there's any debris in there without opening it. Right. So i got to open up all these canisters to see if there's debris in there now. The light gray one was perfect. You can see the debris in there. So I don't know what the, if they're going to change it, but my, I have a contact at Hayward who does quality control. And I told him, this is ridiculous. Why make a black canister insert where you can't see if there's debris in there or not? So It also, I looks, guess I it also looks more more weird for the customer i think i thought if we put a couple in the two and i'm like why would if it's black why would you it looks like something like something's living in your pool or something it's like a yeah. animal in there yeah <laughs> i know i guess i broke my rule and just ragged in hayward but sorry about that <laughs> no i mean i think it's <laughs> super no, I, cool I actually, that you um you know that you have that mindset because a lot of think a lot of people would take advantage of i think where you're at and do that but it's really cool of you it tells a lot about your character and you know you Every product takes, you know, hundreds and thousands of tests, you know, and by the time somebody has, you know, the guts to put it out there to the market, um, you know, and that, that's that's a big thing, a big step for those companies to take. And it's cool that you kind of review them if you, and you don't think they're up to par. You just let them know what they might be able to fix as opposed to just bashing it, you know, because, you know, the light bulb took, you know, how many times to get it right. So, I mean, there's, there's so thousand, many things. Yeah, many, many different ways to get it the right so it's cool that you kind of just offer that that uh criticism you know privately to them and maybe they can make you know develop the product into something that is actually good for the industry because if you bashed it maybe it's actually a good product that would help the industry and make it better but they stopped working on it because people bash on it too much you know and they didn't take the extra 20 times you know testing it to get it right 
But I think some it's of like these the, companies I, are depending on feedback. And it's unfortunate that somebody might develop a product and it gets handed off to 10 other people before it gets, you know, into the field. And maybe the designer is like, I need as much feedback as possible to make this thing better. But somehow it might not ever get back to them. I mean, these are huge yep. companies. So it's kind of, I think that's the right thing to do. And that's what, you know, Megan Kendrick with Pool Pro Magazine, she was talking about where, you know, hey, I want to hear from you and I want to know what your thoughts are so I can make this the best magazine that it can be. And I think that goes to say for um, the manufacturers as well as like, hey, we all need to speak up. It's so much easier to just bitch and complain on social media, YouTube and all these other things. But, you know, I think it's, you know, a lot better to just speak up and say, hey, I think we need to go back to the old style or, you know, do it a different way. Exactly. And, you know, I've told Pentair a hundred times, don't put the drain plug in the clean and clear plus <laughs> filters right underneath the intake and outtake. Yes. Why is it there? So difficult. <laughs> it's a bad spot. They're not listening. They're not listening to me though. I, I they just at they the trade show they shake their heads like they shake their heads and go, I know, I know. Well, do something about <laughs> do something about that drain plug, man. It's crazy. Yeah. So what is what has been the feedback you know from the industry from you know how, how have you been received you know doing the YouTube stuff? Yeah. So I I've got a lot of contacts in the industry now. I think. When I go to the trade show, I noticed about every everybody in every company now, um, because I've filmed this about every product out there, and it just depends on the company. Like um, the small guys really enjoy the fact I put their product up there. I don't charge them a dime to film the videos for them, put their product out there, and to get them discovered. Basically, um, one of them is like the guy in Florida. He's Reggie. He's he makes um, Mako bags. He makes like a power vac. Um, uh, generic bag and i yeah so he sent me one and he's like hey check this out what do you think of my product and i i like this so i filmed it and uh he took off from there i think he's got some clients now that are, he's making bags for and um so i like working with the small guys that are just with a product and they have an idea and i work with big companies too and um you know i feature their products for them and i think it's it's um it works it works good for them because they get like you said they get the feedback from me and they get their product exposure, you know. And um, so I think the industry in a whole likes me. There are some that um, have given me some negative feedback because I'll film um, the Moat test kit, then I'll film their Hawk product, and I'll film Taylor. And they feel like I'm, I'm being, um, I don't know what the word is. I'm not, that I shouldn't be filming like products and putting them out there, that I should just do exclusive yeah, products you should for be them. devoted to one thing, one product. Yeah, I think that's what their that's their point, and so they don't work with me or want me to do any of their products or um, feature any of their stuff on my channel because they feel like I need to pick somebody and stick with them. Huh. That's interesting because I mean, it's still you're still talking about the product, so it still helps them, I think. But hmm. you know, I don't think you know Coke and Pepsi. They don't men- even though they mention each other on there commercials like they still like that they still talk yeah. about them they're friends coke and pepsi are very good friends <laughs> yeah. yeah they're probably the same company in, in disguise like Pantera, you know Pantera owes everybody but they don't tell you you know they, they have all these companies they own and no one knows so how do you keep up with i mean talking about feedback how do you keep up with all the comments i mean when you're generating almost a million views with thousands of comments i mean i can't assume that you reply to every single one of those 
I try to reply to everyone on YouTube um, if I can. Emails are a different story. Sometimes they'll someone will email me, and I can't get the response. Maybe a one sentence response or something. But um, one of the things that I I I try to do and I pride myself on is to be engaged with everyone who emails me or asks me a question because I think that's important. They're asking for a reason. They want an answer. They need an answer, and they can't get it from someone else. So. Um, they're asking me, so I, I try to provide everyone with an answer of some kind. Even if I say I don't know, you know, call the manufacturer. That's an answer that I can give someone. So I try to be in, as engaged as possible with um, the people that leave a comment for me. That's awesome. I hear you mentioned earlier that the, there was some trolls. Has that ever been kind of an issue, just the negative stuff? Yeah, I just um, – my whole thinking is I just remove the comment and I block them. So I've got – um, I don't know, 500 people that are blocked, and I don't respond to them. I don't respond to trolls. I don't. I just block the person and remove their comment. Simple as that. Um, because to be honest with you, uh, it's not worth my time to deal with someone like that because they're a faceless person behind hiding behind um, social media and being mean. Basically, if, if they were talking to me in a room to my face, it'd be a different story. But that's why they're trolls, because they're on social media trolling. And um, the best way to deal with that is just to ignore them and then block them. I think that's inevitable, especially when you build up, when you have traction and people see your success that they want to bring you down, you know? Yeah, that's very common, and it doesn't bother me. I mean, at first when I got negative comments, I was like, man, they don't like me. And now it's like, <laughs> uh, I don't care. I don't need them to like me, you know? Uh, but yeah, it you're doing hurt. something right. Yeah, I and guess. You start hating and you know big numbers like that. You must be doing something. <laughs> as long as you have good intentions, I mean, I think that's the good part. You know, you can tell that your stuff is genuine, and then you know that's the stuff that get people that get big headed and start you know bragging about themselves and doing all that. So that's when the trolls come out a lot, quite a bit more. But you know, the ones that come out when you're you're your heart's pure and you know you're trying to help the industry, I think that definitely you can give that peace of mind and just block them, move on. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't want to get the wrong impression, but that's over six years on YouTube, so it's not like I get trolled every day. It's like here and there, and so you know, over time, maybe I get maybe one negative comment every couple of weeks or three weeks. So it's not not a huge thing on, on my channel, but yeah, I know what you're saying. When when you get out there and you're you're putting your face out there, you're gonna get definitely gonna get the the um, the uh, the trolls to come out after you. That's for sure. Yeah. We have a lot of respect for you because having the courage to talk about products in such a opinionated industry, um, that takes a lot of courage. And I, I'm one of them. I don't want to say too much because there's just so many. There's so many opinions, and um, I think it takes a lot of courage for someone to just speak up and you know talk about it. You know. Yeah, I've had companies troll me too, and um, I don't want to mention any. But when I did, I did a comparison of of a product between different companies. You guys probably can track with me here who I'm talking about. But I did this comparison and I said this one is better this replacement is better than these other three replacement. And the company actually trolled me. They had like people on there and they had either were emailing me and telling me that um, I don't know. But it wasn't where I was attacking their product. I was just comparing one item to another, which is weird because they took it really personal. Um, I never said that their product was no good. Um, so, you know, I try to be careful out there too. I think, um, my rule of, of not ragging on a product, I think when I did that, I felt kind of like maybe I did, 
uh, do something wrong. Maybe I maybe I wasn't um, I didn't come across the right way in the video. So maybe they had they had a right to be upset with me, but I think the level they took it to was kind of like you know I don't know. To me, I thought it was weird for a corporation to get that upset over something. Um, but you know that was just one incident, and it's never happened before after that. And um, so I'm I'm that that maybe also I think when that that happened, I was more cautious about um, bashing something and being a little bit more uh, understanding of their of their point of view. I think so, that's the in right a way approach, that was helpful. Man. You think you're doing you're doing it definitely right. You should, you know, doing it behind the scenes is is the best way to help and it helps them learn and grow too. So so Yeah. You know, congratulations on all the success. How how many subscribers and views do you have now? So I, I just checked today up twenty nine million views and fifty two thousand subscribers. So I can fill up Dodger Stadium here with subscribers, which is pretty good. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I was man. just wearing my Dodgers hat too. That would have been perfect. <laughs> not, that, not that anyone would want. To, not that anyone would want to go to Dodger game right now, but you know, <laughs> hey, I would. So, what's your biggest takeaway from from doing all this? Yeah, so I think you know <clears throat> one of the things that I think that that I that I've learned is that I help a lot of people without knowing how helpful that I've been. Like a lot of pool guys tell me all the time. I help them get started. They watch my videos. Um, they would have been really in, in big trouble without without my channel and my resources. I got a lot of homeowners that recently widowed. Their husband died, and they don't know how to take care of the pool. Um, I got a lot of teenagers where their parents get divorced, and they take care of the pool now. So I get a lot of those kind of comments, and it, it's kind of gratifying that I'm helping people um, in situations that are really hard and difficult, especially the ones that are a death of a spouse that was taking care of the pool. I find those are really, I go all out for someone like that. I, you know, I'll email them personally and I'll help them out the best I can, um, to get their pool back in shape. Cause, um, so I, I think stories like that really make me make what I do worthwhile. And I really enjoy when the pool guys tell me that, they got started in the business because of me. They're doing great. You know, a lot of guys email me saying that they're making eighty thousand a year, hundred thousand a year. Um, they're just doing s- superb, and it, it all started by watching my videos. So um, that's the one thing that I really think is gratifying of, about doing the YouTube stuff, and that's why I continue to do it because I know that people are out there and they're being helped by it. You know, and that's and that's um, that's what keeps me going because it's, it's hard to squeeze it in to my time and my day. I'm sure. That's incredible. Yeah, great work. What would you say is your, your favorite video that you've done? Yeah, so I'll go back to the second video. The first one was a sinus. The second one was the clean and clear, getting out of debt. Because I thought, hey, I can do two things at once. I could do the pool thing, and I can also teach people about finances and how I got out of debt. And I thought that was cool. I did it for that video. Then I realized, you know what? I don't think I want to be crossing over two things like that because um, I just want to focus on one thing. And I think at that point, my channel could have went in two different directions, and I decided to go with just the how-to stuff and reviews and not not really push my personal agenda. Um, well, not really a personal agenda, but it's a way of life that I think is very effective. So that was one of my favorite videos. It was like a turning point video, and this was, it was my second video. So it was at the beginning of launching the channel where I realized that I can't preach to people. i got to just show them what to do and keep it clean and simple. And I think that's one thing they like is that I don't, spend a lot of time talking about myself i just do the video and put it out there so what was behind the star wars video yeah that was something that i just got this idea that a lot of people haven't seen that because it's not really popular that it would take off but really 
but it was <laughs> I, I love it i thought it was great i even ha- hired a guy in um i forgot somewhere in the in the eastern bloc countries or over there by the soviet union to do the special effects for me um i thought it would be cool to do something funny and something different and um I realized that people don't really care for that kind of thing. They just want my how-to stuff. So I don't do any of that stuff anymore. I don't do any pranks or any kind of uh, things like that. But I thought it would be big, but you guys liked it. But I guess that's good enough, right? <laughs> <laughs> I do like it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. But, you know, the, the recent one that I really liked was the uh, Swimming Pool 101, the crash course for rookies. That's my longest video. It's 26 minutes. And I'm my friend Ben, he wanted to learn how to do pool service. So I'm... I said, well, when you come over, and, I'll, and I decided to film it. At the last minute, I'm like, hey, I should film myself talking to him about how a pool works and all that's involved in servicing it. And so I just had the camera rolling, and I was showing him everything about the pool. And I've, that's one of my most popular videos, and it was just very organic. I'm just out there talking to him about how to do this and that. And that's kind of taking me back to my original roots of just going out there and filming the video. And I really like that video, too, and, and helping him um, – start a pool business that's cool you did a podcast episode on that one too right for the the rookie mistakes yeah I, that was really it's really a popular podcast too and i think um when you learn about when you hear other people's what is it wisdom is when you learn from others mistakes without making them yourself and i think that's why i did that one too because um there's a lot of mistakes you can make out there and i made them all myself so i know what it what it's like I think that's why we like sharing people's stories so much on our podcast is because it's, I think that's the best way to learn. And we've, we've always believed that, you know, is why, why make the mistake that others have already made if you can learn from it and not make it yourself. I mean, that's why we really like getting the backstories and the beginnings and the struggles and things like that, because it just helps everybody learn. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's true. So what's the most fun video you've put together? I really like doing underwater footage. I, I enjoy filming that. Um, the most recent one that I liked was the uh, WaterTech CX-1. It was a cordless robotic cleaner. I spent like three hours underwater in underwater footage of that one. And um, I just like getting those angles and those shots of the cleaners. I don't know. Maybe it's a, a, um, I just love the way everything looks underwater, you know. So I, I like getting those underwater shots. And As long as the water's um, clear. <laughs> yeah well, sometimes it's not and it comes out depending on what product but um i, li- I like i just like doing that footage i think it's for me it's enjoyable to edit that underwater footage so anything i'm filming underwater i love doing that's awesome that is cool i want to do more of that i always enjoyed the underwater footage <laughs> there's like some i don't know what you call it some like ghetto tricks for like filming underwater that i've seen for like better <laughs> cameras where you can sync like um like the clear trays, like, um, uh-huh. like Tupperware, and you stick the camera yeah. inside of it and you just dunk it down and then you just kind of like move around the water and you can like film everything, but you can use like a better camera mm-hmm. and it acts as like a gimbal too. So it's not so, it's not all over the place, <laughs> but I was like, that's pretty cool. That's Cause funny. I'm having a harder time finding oxygen, like a, <laughs> like a, like a, you know, a scuba tank or something. Um, there's a bunch of cool ways, but I definitely like the footage underwater. It's really cool. So what do you think is the, your favorite product you've reviewed? I mean, you've done a ton and we've seen quite a few from Pooler X and I think, did you do one on solar breeze as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did that one, a couple of those. Uh Yeah. So, you know, different things like that, that, you know, we've used, we always like to hear another opinion, but what has been your favorite one? Yeah. So it's kind of funny. I have have a couple favorite, but 
one of them is is kind of a weird one. I like the multi-torque socket sets uh, that Tal makes from Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love those things because they save me so much time out there in the field. And I like filming them because it, it's cool. You're like using the drill and pulling off the filter clamps really fast. And it's a great product. And um, I always love using that in my videos for him. And uh, he's a pool guy also. And he created that product and about what, 10, 12 years ago. And I think it's taking off for him now. But that's a cool little product. I like little little things like that, gadget kind of things. Um, yeah, Tal's like re- uh, a really cool guy. He's, we saw him in, I think, Florida at show. He is, he's a trooper, man. He's still out there servicing pools, too, all doing all that. We bought a bunch of them Yeah, brought them back home. Yeah, we have yeah. a couple of them with our with our uh, filter clean guys now. Um, he's, he's really good. He's a good guy. Um, I like unusual products, too. Like I just said the fire pump from Advantage. The um, You hook it up to your – you drop it in your pool, and you can put out a forest fire with it. You know, I don't know if you saw that video, but it's a portable fire pump. So oh. that's a cool product too. And um, I think I like tech. So one of the coolest things I like is the, the Lamont, Lamont Spin Touch. Mm-hmm. The, uh, you could you know, do 11 or 10 or 11, I can't remember now, water samples in 60 seconds. You just put a disc in there and it spins it. And um, that's actually the same exact thing they use for the blood tests in the hospitals. And um, they got the idea from that. He was at the hospital one time and he saw them doing a blood sample he's like hey i can probably do that for the pool industry so he made this uh the spin touch and um it's really great the only problem is that the discs are to like 250 each so it's really um it's kind of out of reach as far as an everyday test kit but um the tech behind it is so cool you know that was a cool that was a cool one i remember seeing that um in florida and long beach and things like that but it didn't seem practical for bringing to every single pool though i mean the the chemistry might be a little bit better but it just seemed like it'd be rough dragging that thing to every single pool yeah it's more like for uh, commercial accounts and for startups i use it in my startups when i do a new pool and it's for problem pools and it's just kind of to show off to customers you know it's like hey look at me i got this thousand uh, dollar <laughs> test kit man i know what i'm doing so <laughs> it's kind of like like the the guys at the booth said it's the cool factor kind of thing you know and it is it's just it's it's very accurate too because um you if you do comparisons, it's just um, there's no it's just a very accurate kit, and um, but yeah, it's one of the things I like. I like the tech stuff, but yeah, I, I agree with you. It's not something you're going to use 90 times a week because it's just not made for that. Um, they made it for pool stores originally, and then they got the idea that hey, pool guys might want to have this out there too, and so now they made the mobile one, and it's caught on. They sold um, tons of units last year. They sold out. They're like two months behind now in their in their back order. So it's definitely being purchased. A lot of guys on my group have that kit. So anything with tech, I love robotic pool cleaners. I, I think I've reviewed just about everything out there, um, 30 or thirty or something of them. I just love anything tech-wise. I'll just film it and uh, put it out there. In your opinion, what do you think the robotic cleaners work best in? I mean, we have like 95%, I think, suction cleaners out here in Arizona, but I think it would be it's difficult to just throw those in the pool. Um, so what do you think is uh, the best uses for those? Yeah, I think homeowners that don't have service would be the main market for them. Midwest, they're really huge in the Midwest. They're really huge in Europe because they don't have a lot of pool service out that way. So I think that's their main market. But I, I love them on my route here. I throw them in pools and they keep them really clean. I use it in my pool also. So I think the drawback for the service route is that you have to rely on the customer to put it in and turn it off and take it out because you're not there to do that. 
And so it's not convenient because they can, I've had customers leave them on the deck all week when they should be in the pool and the pool's dirty. So I, I tell my customers, hey, on the service day, make sure the robot's in there running because that helps me out a lot. I can just do the chemistry and, and help and do other things around the pool. I don't want to be, I don't know, I don't say it blatantly, but I don't want to be cleaning your pool when the robot can do it, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's drawbacks to the robotic cleaners for service, the service industry, and they have a hard time selling them to the service guys for that reason. It's much easier leaving a suction clean in there all week and, and not having to worry about the customer throwing it in. So, yeah, I think the market for that is going to be just individual purchases and um, pool, pool route, pool guys that know that the customers can handle it, put it in the pool for them. Do you think it so gets used much on the commercial side of pools? We don't do much com- at all commercial, but. Yeah, so that's one thing they're pushing, and I've talked to different manufacturers. That's a great way to use a robotic cleaner because you could put them in there after hours and it would clean the pool for them, but. I don't think that people realize the benefit of them. I mean, if they watch my videos, they can see how clean they leave the pool because they do the best job out of all the cleaners out there. It's just that um, they're not convenient for the homeowner or for the pool service guy. Um, I don't usually sell them. I only sell them to customers that I know that are going to use them correctly. So, um, yeah, that's my take on the robot cleaners. I think they're great, but it's just a limited market. I think they definitely, from what I've seen, I definitely think they work the best. And I actually like the lines better than the hoses. It seemed like those lines have better freedom to actually run a different course because you get bad memory and, you know, suction side cleaners. Those ho- those cleaners are only going to, you know, do so much. But the robotic cleaners, those lines are much better for kind of moving around, being a little bit more mobile. Yeah, and they're also good, a good sell to the people with variable speed pumps because a lot of them don't want to run their, their, their pool on high to get that suction cleaner working six hours a day. So I have a couple on my route and variable speed pumps that I sold them to the customer because they can save more electricity this way. Um, that's a good angle to sell them too. But again, the convenience factor of having a cleaner in all week, you can't beat a suction side cleaner. How, how well have you seen the robotic cleaners do like after... I don't know, you get a pool that's tore up and needs a storm cleanup or something, and say you just maybe want to drop it in there and go service your route and come back so that you can, you know, brush it down and do what you got to do. Do they do very well with, uh, you know, tons of stuff in the pool? They're okay with that. I think that's not probably what they're made for. I know that, I don't know if you've seen the PowerVac robot. Did you see that one? PowerVac? Yeah, the PowerVac. He, he created a robot that works like the PowerVac by itself in the pool. And uh, but the only thing is the price tag is like five thousand dollars. Five thousand dollars. So yeah, that's like that's he calls that like his robot vac. You just throw it in, throw it in the pool, and it'll clean it, and you go somewhere else and come back. But the problem with the robotic cleaners, they can't really pick up that, you know, clean a pool the way you would do with a vacuum system. They're not made the same way. So I would say no on that. I wouldn't use them for that. Um, I would just use them for regular weekly maintenance. Nice. So we'll switch over to the, you know, the podcast side of this because, I mean, you've had... When did you start your podcast now? It was back uh, 58 weeks ago. So what is that, October? No, somewhere back. I don't know. I can't think back. 2017. I'm going to say August or July. Yeah. I've done one every week, so I have 58 episodes. So it's been over a year. Okay, very cool. And how's that going for you? I like it. I think it's it's um it's it's something that you know, I researched it before I did it. Everything I do I research and podcasts are the number one media 
medium for information right now, and people don't realize that they they think books and uh, videos, but people love podcasts, and I think um, it's, they're finally catching on to a lot of different industries. Um, my home, my son's homeschooled, and so there's like a, a lot of homeschooled podcasters I would listen to. And I'm like, hey, I you know I could probably do that for the pool industry if they could do this for homeschooling. Um, I'll just transfer what they do to the pool industry. So I started a podcast, and I realized it was really I think that one guy was trying it at one time and he stopped doing it or a couple guys tried it but they had like 20 episodes and um, so I figured there's no one doing it and now you guys are doing it too so um, I, I, I think it's a wide open field and I, I don't I, I don't think people that see each other as competition out there look at it the wrong way um, we're not competing against each other we're helping people get the information they need and we're providing resources to them and so there's no competition it's just something that it's a media medium that people can utilize out there on the route and listen to the podcast and get the information in a different way. So yeah, I don't I think, see it. I see it as go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say I think you're talking about like the Brett. Brett was the one that started his podcast at one point several years ago. I think we had heard him. Um, I was like four, five years. Yeah, ago. yeah, yeah. I think he had like ten or so episodes. Kind of. We really wished that would that would have continued, and that's kind of what put us on to that a little bit was you know that being able to listen to that while you're on your route and stuff is, is pretty awesome yeah, yeah I know. it's unfortunate because so that wasn't a that wasn't the you know the big boom for podcasts four or five years ago it's only been pretty no. recent within the last year or so that it's really taken off yeah i met brett a couple of times he's he's a really awesome guy he's he's done a lot of good things to industry too yeah i think it's a great media I, I really enjoy it so what's your goal um for your podcast I really don't have a, my goal is just to keep doing one every week, and um, I I just think I think it fills a gap between watching a video and reading a blog article. You know, there's people that have time to watch a quick five minute video, get information, but you can't put everything in a five minute video. So, and then you can write an article, and they can read it, and you can get a lot more information out of the article, but you need more time to read it. And then there's a the podcast, which you guys understand is that you can just play it while you're working. And you can multitask. You can do many things while you're listening to the podcast. So there's a big gap that it fill, fills in between a video and reading an article. And I think a lot of a lot of um, people appreciate me putting the podcast out there, and they can kind of listen while they're working. Well, I think before podcasts were a thing, really, a lot of people probably listened to your YouTube channels, just had the phone on in their pocket and listened to a lot yeah. of YouTube channels. Because I'm, I've heard, I've done that several times, and I've heard several other pool guys that before that kind of platform was there they would definitely just put youtube on for hours and kind of just listen to that so yeah, that's, that's why i, I put the podcast that's why i put my podcast on the youtube channel which actually gets it gets more listens on youtube than it does on the uh, podcast um, um sites more people listen to the podcast on youtube than they do on itunes well you have a lot more subscribers i'm sure on <laughs> youtube than podcasts as well right yeah, that that kind of translates into that also. But I think people like listening to music. I listen to music all the time on YouTube, so it's kind of the same concept. You just keep it playing um, in the background. The only problem with YouTube is the app, and you're not you turn the screen off, it turns off YouTube. They got to yeah. fix that, you know. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot more of that, and that trips me out. I think because I use Spotify so much that I see a lot of people using YouTube for music, mm-hmm. and I'm like, damn, that's crazy. I never, <laughs> I never done that really either. Yeah, just because it drains your battery so much. You know what I mean? And I guess if you have to have the screen on all the time. 
Yeah, you have to have the screen on all the time. So anybody that's, you know, watching, listening to YouTube with the screen on all day, they're just wearing that battery <laughs> down. Um, yeah. So I'm assuming the feedback's been pretty good on for the podcast. Yeah, people like it. I think they enjoy the, the medium of that. They hear me kind of talk on a subject for 20 minutes or interview somebody. Um, I think it's really effective. And I think the good thing about podcasting is you can cover a wide range of subjects you can't really cover out there doing a video. So um, I think that's the great thing about it. So there's a lot of there's a lot of aspects of the podcast that that I think are really good. Yeah, I think it's a good thing too because you can record them whenever you can edit them whenever you know like with your YouTube videos you got to be in the daylight around a pool but us being able to just kind of come in here whenever I mean I edit the podcasts like you know three o'clock in the morning sometimes or super late sometimes trying to get it ready so that's really convenient with that too as opposed to trying to film videos and stuff like that yeah yeah and we've listened to every single podcast you've pushed out just because it is really that good it's not even listen to all of them before we even knew that we were going to do this podcast with you just because I thought the information was just so cool. Um, and actually it's kind of funny. You were talking about the, um, the 1099 thing and you were talking about it in one of your episodes that, um, you know, you should be subscribing to service industry news and things like that. And that's how, you know, you can get a lot of information. And I, like after you said that I started kind of, I was on their website and I, I haven't gotten one yet, but I kind of paid for it. So I get the subscription sent to my house and things like that. But I just thought it was kind of cool. Cause I, you see those magazines, you know, at the trade shows and things like that. And then after listening to you, um, I think you interviewed somebody from service industry news. Um, as I a did. Lady, right. Yeah, she's the owner of the company. Oh, that's uh-huh. right. And it was a while back ago, but I just thought that was so cool. And I'm like, you know what? It might not be the most up-to-date information, like kind of a newspaper, and it might not be in the format I like. But at the end of the day, like a community of people are putting that information together. And that is, you know, the whole 1099 situation in California. That is big news. And if, you know, you're subscribing to some kind of magazine or newspaper, that's talking about those things. I think you, you're going to want to be informed on those things. You know, you don't want to be left in the dark to figure out, you know, the hard way. Yeah. I think the information is critical in the industry. And again, I go back to the very beginning when I talked about the image of the industry and the lack of knowledge in the industry. And I think people don't realize that there's these magazines out there. You interviewed the, um, the magazine that they sell to supply place. Uh, what was the name of that one again? The, pool, um, pool pro. Yeah, Pool Pro, and there's a you know there's several magazines out there also besides that one, and in the service industry news, and I think all the guys should be having access to that those magazines. Yeah, I just think it's kind of cool that you picked Water Chemistry as like your your very first podcast episode because I don't really think it's a a lot of stuff out there on that. So yeah, I, th- I think the the um, Water Chemistry is um, one of those things that. It can be confusing. There's so many different methods of taking care of a pool. But um, I, I think I, I'm going to do more podcasts on chemistry, too, to kind of help debunk that, too, later on. But it's one of the aspects, too, that I think we need to focus on as an industry. Yeah, I don't think they give that enough attention. And we've recently gotten a ton of feedback um, about people wanting to know b- more about chemistry. And there's just there's just so much to it, and it could 
alleviate a lot of problems if you really took quality time to figure out water chemistry and, you know, uh, you know, how many times your pool should turn over and, you know, the upside and downsides of different pumps and how often you should be doing filter cleans and things like that. So I think there's so many things to the water chemistry that, you know, it's really important that you really know it in and out. Cause at the end of the day, what are we doing? We're making sure that a pool's clear so that people can enjoy it. It's healthy and all those different types of things. So water chemistry is definitely at the top of that list. Exactly. Well, um, can I just move on a little bit from, from the podcast now into like the Patreon page? Yeah, I did that. I started that back in October of 2016 and, um, it's, it's turned out to be a really great way to connect and it's actually my the way the patreon site is actually just how people join my coaching group so i use that platform as a way they can join the coaching group that i created it's a it's a good safe way they can join and, and make the payment and so the coaching program is the big part of that page and just in the last since june i've gotten 41 um new subscribers in my coaching program and I have 120 members now, so one-third of them have come from this summer, and it's just really growing. I just got one before I went on the air here. Um, so it's one of those things where no one is doing it, and no one is no – one, there's a resource that you could be anywhere. You could be in Texas, Florida, California, Arizona. And what I do is I have a – in this, I have a group chat, a group meet chat, where you can – when you join, you get invited into this chat, and there's – a good 40 or 50 guys and gals in there that are posting all the time, answering questions and comments. And then, um, for $10 a month, you can text me in real time. And for $20 a month, you can call me and text me in real time. So a lot of guys find that first, they, they, they don't believe that they can do that. You know, like, can I actually call him? You know, so that I'm going to call like, hello, <laughs> like I am, I'm uh, calling you from the coaching group. <laughs> like yes how can i help you you know and so i help them through a problem and so it's really cool you know because um i take i all you know all the years of knowledge that i have i can pretty much solve something over the phone or text without having to see the, the issue does it go right so to voicemail if they don't pay their bill or something yeah <laughs> i really don't have too many guys do that but there are a few um i offer i offer discounts on insurance and also Riptide. So I've had like maybe three or four people join just for that and then they stop paying and I haven't figured out what to do with them yet. I, I mean, I could cancel them out and they could um, have their insurance go up or something, but uh, it doesn't happen very often. 98% of the guys, 99% of the guys on there are very honest and they join because they need the service. They need the, the guidance from the other guys in the group and from me. So it's uh, something that I think is out of the box too. And I think, um, I think it works really well in this kind of industry because there's no one else. There's no one else they can turn to. You know, they're starting a business. They have no idea what to do, and I make myself available to them. That's really cool. How many calls do you think you get a day on that kind of stuff from that? Right. What the amount of members I have now, I'm spending about an hour and a half a day texting and, and handling calls and in the group chat. So it's actually taking up a lot of my time. Um, I thought. It wasn't going to. I thought it was going to be um, something that I, I might have to redo some things and cut back on more stuff in the field because um, I'm getting mess- messages all the time. Like today on, on my phone here, I can scroll through. But, oh God, I have, you know, just besides calling, I have um, – there's someone texting me. Two more people texting me right now. I have my phone on mute. 
doesn't doesn't buzz or ring. But um, since this morning, the first one came in at like uh, eight in the morning. Sometimes they come in earlier, but all day long I've had them. There's about I would say 30 different text text messages from about 10 different guys, and then a couple of phone calls today. So it's definitely taking a lot of my time up, but I really enjoy it because it I'm helping them grow their business and and troubleshoot things you know i just helped the guy recently put a check valve on uh equipment it was draining down as you know when this when the check valve is not working there was no check valve on there to begin with but um it was draining down actually below like the steps you know really low and this he's a third company that came there and i said well it's got to be the check valve because there's nothing else and He's like, well, why is it going so low? Because it's going below the jets. And I said, well, maybe there's a floor jet because some sometimes um, customers will want a jet on their feet when they build a spa. And sure enough, there was a jet, two jets on the very bottom of the spa, and that's and definitely the check valve solved that because it was draining down to the bottom of the spa, which is weird. Mm-hmm. It's not typical. But there was floor jets in that spa, so we put a check valve on, and he was the only guy that was able to solve that. At, you know, the third company they get there, so. And that's, you know, I, I find things like that, are, are, I think, are important in the in- industry because, again, it helps this business, but it also helps the image of the industry. Like, you know, someone can actually solve a problem that if he wasn't in my group, he probably wouldn't have, he would have been the, there'd be a fourth company coming there to look at the problem. But little things like that, you know, from all the experience that I've had over the years, I kind of think there's got to be something that they're missing um, I have I have one spa on my route with the floor jet, so I know that they exist. They don't work, by the way, because um, physics, you know, the wall jets are going to get all the power. The floor jets are going to get trickling of water. So if you're having a pool built, don't put any jets on the floor. It doesn't work. <laughs> it's a good thing it'll be a while before I build a pool. <laughs> yeah. So why do you feel it's so important to, to share knowledge? Yeah, I think it goes back again to my early days when I didn't have anyone – I can rely on, you know. So I think it's kind of like one of the services I provide. Um, I see myself out there, and you know, when I see a young guy looking for something that's pretty simple, I can answer the question and get him and get him um, to be successful. I wish I had that when I was doing the work. I didn't have that, so um, I wasn't as successful as I, I should have been. I think at a younger age, and I think so. It's one of those things where I'm kind of giving back. Um, to my generation of guys, you know, that we didn't have that. That's awesome. Very cool. So are there any, you know, books or other podcasts or anything else that you would suggest um, reading or listening to? I would just, you know, the one I mainly listen to is Dave Ramsey. I'm a big fan of his, so I'll catch a lot of his shows to the podcast. Not a lot of free time. Um, Of course, the Pool Chasers podcast. Bingo. (laughs) (laughs) How often does Ramsey push out a podcast? Oh, he's insane, man. He's got so much stuff going on. He has guys working for him, too, doing podcasts. So oh, it's not sure. just him, but his, his, his guys under him. So I looked, um, I tracked him for a little bit. He he puts uh, 100 YouTube videos out uh, a month um, just on the shows, you know, broadcasting and taping him. And he puts little podcasts out. He puts, all his guys puts a podcast out. He has, like, two of the guys doing podcasts for him. So everything is up there. He's got it's, it's really an empire for sure. Nice. So what I mean, are there any um, books? I know there was a book that you talked about on, I think your website or something like that. You suggest, and I think yeah. it was more for like, you know, entrepreneurs. Yeah, there's a lot of books that I really recommend reading. Um, 
of course, his book, Totally Money Makeover, tells you how to do the steps. Um, the Millionaire Next Door is a great book. If you want to be a millionaire, read this book, and you'll realize that very few millionaires buy new cars or wear Rolex watches. Um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a really good book. It's a, it's a classic. A on, on, um, yeah, it's one of my favorites. And, of course, uh, I'm a Christian, so the Bible is also on the list there. I think that's important to have some kind of um, – moral moral compass in your life that's that's critical you know if, if anything if you know depending on your level of faith i think having a moral compass helps you in business so um i think that's important too yeah. and i and i also like reading for fun i like i like history so i like reading anything by uh, david mccullough he write he wrote john adams in 1776 and uh, my grandfather was a pearl harbor veteran so i love world war ii so i read anything by uh, stephen ambrose he wrote D-Day and Band of Brothers, so um, they made that into a TV series also. So history is a real big thing for me. I love World War II. I'm a big World War II buff. Very cool. And is there any uh, YouTube channels that you like in particular? Um, yeah, I watch a lot of different channels. I think when I have time, I, I like music, so I watch a lot of the music channels. Um, you know, the classical musical instruments, I love those. And... Um, what else do I watch? Let me see. I'll pull up my thing. I've been talking for a long time, and my brain is kind of going to mush. <laughs> yeah, we're a couple I'll hours have to pull in. Up. Yeah, so I've never talked this long before. <laughs> kind of weird. This would be like two months worth of content for for the podcast. Pretty much. <laughs> I watch. Um, I watch this guy called the Gadget Inspector. He makes drone videos, so I watch some of those. He's pretty cool. He lives in Michigan, so he only films like half the year because the other half he's like snowed in. So he's pretty cool. Um, I just I like the music ones, the the two cello guys. I like the piano guys. Um, so if I'm doing anything, I'll watch stuff like that to kind of relax and entertain myself. But um, I used to watch a lot more, but I'm just so busy I don't watch a lot. I watch a lot of pool guys too. I like I like. Um, River Pools, they're like a fiberglass pool company. They put a lot of good videos up there, too. Um, Inyo Pools doesn't put as many videos up as they used to, but they're really good, too. Um, so I like, you know, anything pool-related, I'll, I'll pull up the video and, and check out their content um, to see what they're doing. But, um, yeah, I don't really do a lot. I do a lot of production work, so I don't have a lot of time to, to kind of go out there and watch videos. Right, yeah. So you have a, is there a favorite quote that you kind of like and maybe live by? Yeah, there's a quote here. Um, it's anonymous, but it says, um, helping one person might not change the world, but it could change the world for one person. So that's, you know, cool. helping, you know, helping one person might not change the world, but it could change the world for one person. So I think that's kind of like the starfish um, little saying, you know, you heard that one where the, the girl's walking along the beach. She's throwing starfishes back in that are all washed up. And then an older gentleman's like, well, what are you doing? You know, there's thousands of them. You can't, you know, you can't make a difference. She's like, then she throws one more in the ocean. And she says, well, I made a difference for that one. So mm-hmm. kind of like that analogy, you know. That's really cool. And it's pretty cool that, to think that if you do something like that and other people kind of latch on to that and they do the same thing, you pretty much start a movement of everybody helping out and what if everybody walking on the beach did that then thousands would be going back in you know what i mean yeah setting I, a good and example you can equate you can equate that to the industry because the industry needs to be boosted up you know 
Um, we're not guys out there in tank tops and flip-flops with a pool pole and, you know, dropping a few drops of, you know, tester in there and walking out. We're actually a, a legitimate industry. And I think, um, like your podcast and, and hopefully my content will help legitimize the industry to a point where um, it grows. Because it's, it's, it's um, experiencing a point right now where a lot of young people aren't attracted to the industry. They just don't want to do this kind of work. Yeah. They don't like getting wet. Yeah, I don't. I don't like getting wet either. I've only fallen in two <laughs> pools. So, oh wow, that's a long time. And I told the story. I told the story <laughs> to my group. We had a dinner. We had a dinner the other day, and I fell in front of the gardeners, and they thought that was the funniest thing in the world. You know, they were talking in Spanish, like, "Hey, look at the pool guy in the pool." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that must have been the worst. <laughs> that's all right. I've I've racked myself pretty much <laughs> the one oh, time. Yeah. I'm like uh, on a pool. Yeah, it sucked, but I saved my phone from going in, so it was, <laughs> That's good. It was pretty good. Small, small victory there, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so touch a little bit on Dave Ramsey stuff. You know, I know that obviously the second video you ever made was you know about being you know debt free and as well as the pool stuff. So why is it so important to you? You know, to live life debt free, and you know why have you made that kind of a staple in your life? Yeah. So. Um, Obviously, being debt free is is not not everyone agrees with that philosophy, and um, but I think you your biggest biggest wealth builder is your income. So if you're not paying anybody anything, all the money you make is yours. So that philosophy is old school; it goes back to the turn of the century, and where the, the debt wasn't really a big deal. Um, people didn't borrow money, and I think for us, for me and my wife and my son. Um, it gives us more time. Like my wife, she hasn't worked in 10 years. She's a stay-at-home mom because we have no debt, so she doesn't have to go to work. And it gives you more options and more. you have more resources to help people, more time. Um, the fact that I don't owe any money on my properties gives me the ability to do stuff that I'm doing now. I mean, I have the group, and um, I'm very – I think the rate that I charge for this coaching thing I get this all the time from one of the guys in the group who's pretty successful. He's like, you're charging way too little, you know. To text you should be like $40. To call you should be $100 a month because what you did for my business, you know, I have 300 accounts because of you and it's such a bargain. But I keep everything like that because I don't need to charge that kind of money to do what I do because um, I have a lot of resources now because I'm not paying anybody any money. So... That makes you a lot more generous when you're not paying bills every month that you actually have money to do stuff like that. Like there's a guy that joined the group. He's in South Carolina and I, I had a dinner locally here last week where there was like 16 guys there and I gave everyone a Polar X hat and a shirt. He's like, well, how do I get a Polar X hat? I said, well, I'll mail you one. He just joined last month so for $10. And I sent him a hat. I sent him a shirt. I sent him a book. And the package cost 13 bucks. The book's $20. And he only paid me ten dollars. I gave him thirty bucks worth of stuff, but that's how I operate because I can. You know, I don't. I'm not driven by money, and that's when you're debt free. Money is not a driving force by what you do, and that makes you a different person. You know, not having to pay someone a mortgage or pay someone a car payment makes the money a lot more. Um, I don't know what the word is. It, it makes a you a much more generous. Yeah. You don't think about it the same way, you know. You, you know, a lot of people hold on to their money in their fists because they have to, because they have to pay 
this and that. I don't have to do that. I have an open hand because I don't have to pay someone money. And it makes a difference, I think, in how I operate and how I do everything and with everything I do. Um, when I go out to dinner, I always pick up the tab because uh, not to show off or anything, but that's just how I am now, you know? Yeah. I and do too, but because nope, nobody has any money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, you're hanging out with the wrong kind of people then. <laughs> but uh, it just changes the way you look at things. And I, I think that's the point I want to get across, that working Dave Ramsey's plan and paying everything off, um, it's not the fact that you're wealthier than anyone else. It's the fact that you look at money differently. The money doesn't own you. You own the money. And I don't know if that makes sense. It just changes your perspective. It definitely does. Yeah. And I think all those things are really smart. Um, even talks about like the baby steps and making sure you have an emergency fund of a thousand dollars and putting a percentage away for retirement and all these things. And it's pretty cool being on a plan because, you know, some people need that structure and that plan because in all honesty, I think a lot of that people know they should be doing it, but you just, you don't do it for some reason, but you know, you get on a plan and you see how it's changed other people's lives and you can kind of, you know, stick to it. You know what I mean? And you know, maybe you don't need, you know, Starbucks coffee every single morning. Unfortunately, that was one of my vices. And <laughs> after reading it, I was like, yeah, I probably should get my caffeine at home, but there's something it's weird because it's kind of like a weird addiction and you think that you can't kick it because it makes your life better. But when you really think about it, it's like so stupid. Like I should just go in there and get a couple of those damn cups and just keep them <laughs> in my house and fill it up. And I'll just kind of psych myself into thinking that I'm getting <laughs> Starbucks every morning. But that's just me being honest. You know, we all have our vices, but, you know, just kind of reading some of that stuff because you talk about it so much. It's like a lot of that makes total sense. It does. It makes sense. And I think uh, a plan is what you need for anything in life, you know? Yeah. Are you able to eat out now? I do. I mean, I eat out a lot now. And in <laughs> fact, um, one of the problems is I'm we're probably spending too much money now because um, we're not watching ourselves as carefully anymore. But, um, but you know, it allows me to take all the guys out to dinner and pick up the tab. I, I made it, I, when I went to dinner with the guys, I made them make a special menu with no prices on it. So I, I went to the Doubletree Hotel and I told the manager, well, can you make a special menu? He said, yeah, we can make it without prices. I'm like, okay, do that. Because I don't want the guys to know, you know, I wanted them to order freely. And you can do stuff like that when, you don't, when you're not paying bills, when you're not in debt. So it makes, awesome. it, it makes it, your, your life's different, you know. So I guess the takeaway from this is get on Dave Ramsey's plan, work it hard, get out of debt, and you'll have a different life view of things. It's great yeah. advice. Appreciate it. And I think it's really cool that you talk about it so often. So, you know, if my opinion matters, say, you know, keep kind of plugging it out there because I think we all need, a, you know, a little bit of help. Definitely. Yeah, we're kind of going to wrap it up here. Um, did you have anything you wanted to ask us or anything for your content? Or, I mean, kind of, we don't want to give you the opportunity to plug whatever you'd like to, but I don't know if there's anything you wanted to touch base on that we haven't yet. Yeah, I mean, how long have you guys been doing service? Five years. Okay. Um, and how many accounts do you guys have? Close to 400. Yeah, so you have, what, like 15 employees? Uh, we have about 10 right now. 10. Okay. Is it pretty hard to get people that will, you know, work um, in this environment nowadays? It's probably the most difficult part is finding um, good help. I think just trying to... Uh, 
get people to work to the level that we expect um, or we want that we work, you know, is, is difficult. Um, but we, we want to give the homeowner the best experience possible. So we try to train them that way. And sometimes it's, it's difficult to find somebody that understands that the little things make a difference. But there's yeah. also What's the name a of your lot company? Brothers Pool Service. Oh, yeah, you mentioned it earlier. I just thought you were choking, but it's the actual name, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I know you don't know it because we're not recommended on your website. <laughs> yeah, that's only for the guys that sign up to the coaching group. That's one of the side benefits. So I guess we got a little hint. Sign up. <laughs> <laughs> um, Actually, but, you get a discount on your insurance, too, for all the guys. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, we'll have to talk more about that after this. Um, but yeah. I think we've learned a lot about how we can become better owners and how we can make our service manager even better because we are so busy, but really the ones that have done the best are the ones that really got like better training and they were taken care of. And we built this kind of environment and, um, culture just much better, not just saying culture because, Everybody's saying it now, but really when you see your guys like asking them, you know, how their weekend was or how their day was. And, you know, I saw this come through. Let me talk to you about that. And just really kind of going above and beyond and taking good care of them because, you know, at the end of the day, like they just want a place where they feel comfortable and safe and they can talk to you about anything. And, you know, some people like don't get too close to people. You know what I mean? It's just, it's all business, but this day and age, I don't think that's the case. I think you should, you know, appreciate people and this is a difficult job and it gets up to 115 degrees and you should treat them like family because they spend more time with you than they do with their own families and they're doing quite a bit. So I think it's almost, best to really connect with them the best that you can yeah i think that's a great attitude to be an owner you know because um it's like a you it's like they're part of your family at 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 some point you know if they work for you long enough so i think that's a great attitude and that's probably why you have um so many pools because you can sustain the employees you know i think i was just talking to a guy today that's having a hard time keeping his employees and it's tough you know because um a lot of them will probably want to start their own business too, but a lot of them, um, they have a lot of bills they're struggling with too. So it, it's a whole mixed bag when you have an employee. Um, so I think you're doing a great service by by having these guys work for you. You know, it's, it's a great thing. It's definitely difficult. I mean, we've even in July there was several times where both Greg and I were out servicing pools, you know, to cover routes, and you know, Kyle, our service manager, is still. Right now, we we still have a small route that's not being covered by somebody, so he's out there every day doing it. Um, so it's definitely the hardest part. It's a struggle for sure. Um, but we just got we got to do what we got to do. Um, we're not afraid to get our hands dirty out there either. So um, and that really shows, I think, with them. You know, we we definitely try to try to show them that we're not, you know, we're not hesitant to get out there and do what needs to be done. Um, you know, we've also made a promise. I think it's cool. That we, you know, we, we, we don't want to take on pools that we wouldn't want to service ourselves. And we don't, we try not to take on repairs that we would want to do ourselves. You know, we try to give them the best possible, um, leg up, I guess that, you know, we can give them. And hopefully, you know, most, like I, I would think 98% of our pools have cleaners or in floors in them, you know, it's just whatever we can do to help them out. Um, we try to do, and that's kind of a, 
I think a good mentality to have. Um, you know, that way we can kind of we have the luxury of picking and choosing now. Where obviously when you start, you don't. But um, you know, mm-hmm. we, we definitely try to make promises to them that we can. We try to give them the best advantage out there we can. And obviously, yeah, like Greg said, it's super hot, and we understand it's not an easy job. So we're trying to give them as much as we can. You know. I mean, before this, before we started recording, I mean, we just called back 20 plus people and those were the calls we didn't get to that left voicemails today and sent them somewhere else. Because Mm -hmm. if we don't have the manpower, we don't have the right people in place, like we're not taking on new pools. And it's pretty crazy because they're all pretty um, shocked at the way we do business and very impressed. They're like, wow, that's pretty cool. And the way we explain it is because of some of the recent storms, um, you know, we've gotten a little bit behind and we want to make sure that we take care of our current customer base before we, um, take on Mm -hmm. any new pools. And they're all extremely understanding of that and think that that's kind of the, you know, the honorable thing to do because you could easily just tack on, you know, more pools, but what does that do? You know what I mean? I, we enjoy our weekends and we have little kids, you know what I mean? Like that means a lot more than, you know, a couple extra bucks in a, you know, a weekend out in the field. Yeah. Like I always tell people, you can make money anytime in your life. But you can't get that time back. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of pool guys that join my group work corporate jobs. That's why they quit their jobs and become pool guys because they realize that, that, their, their life is their work, and they don't have time for their family. So uh, that's the one benefit of this job. I, I guess we didn't plug that enough is that the the hours are so flexible. You could do as much work as you want or as little work as you want in this field. And it's a great industry if you're, if you're having time management problems at your current job. This is a great industry to get into. You can start at 6 in the morning, finish at noon, or you can start at 6 in the morning, finish at 4. It just depends on what you want to do. And have the weekends off again because a lot of the corporate world, you're working six, seven days a week. You, you don't even have weekends off. So it's definitely a great industry to get into. For sure. Yeah, that is the coolest thing. I mean, I pick up my daughters at 3 p.m. and then I can come back here or not or work from home. You know, Ty does the same thing. So it's definitely a, a luxury to be able to do all that. Had to turn the light on because it's getting dark in here. We've been talking for two over two hours, man. <laughs> the sun's going down. <laughs> California here, yeah. so it's great. You guys are doing you guys are doing good, you know. And um, I think the, your podcast is going to really take off because I think you're focused on that. Um, that's one of the side things I do is my podcast. So I'm all for promoting you and getting your podcast out there. Well, we appreciate that. Yeah. We really do. And you know, we still have. We have this, and I think sometimes we get perceived a certain way, but we have an insane amount of work to do. I mean, being five years deep in the pool service and repair side, there's still a ton of work that has to be done to perfect that and have it you know, run the way that we really want it to run. So I think it's, uh, it's never-ending. I think good you know, business owner and management, um, they're always trying to perfect their craft and perfect you know, what they do because times are changing faster now than ever so really got to stay on top of it exactly well well, you know we want to let you kind of plug whatever you'd like to plug um so you know for our listeners to check out so yeah um i'll just plug my website everything is on my website so if you go to um swimmingpoollearning.com you'll have every my youtube channel link is there the coaching site link is there my ebook that i have is there i have a print book that i just made I'm pretty proud of it. It took about two years to get this in the print. 
Oh wow! And uh, my son's my son's actually translating this into Spanish, so it <laughs> should be out within a month. Within a month, I think I'll have the Spanish edition of it. So uh, it's great that he speaks Spanish. He also speaks Mandarin Chinese. So I'll have to get him to do that one. Oh, wow. um, yeah, That's you know he's a pretty pretty smart impressive. kid. Congratulations yeah, um, on the book. Yeah, so the book um, I think it's a great resource for homeowners and for the pool service guys. I think. Um, it educates everyone on things, and I, I just like having – I've always wanted to be an author, so one of the goals that I've always wanted to do, and I've reached it. So I, I'm, I'm really proud of the book myself too. And so the, the website will have everything there, and I, I definitely think it's a great resource. And, you know, whatever help you're going to need, you can they can also contact me directly from the website or through YouTube, and I'm definitely willing to help anybody out in that respect. So, um, so I appreciate, you know, the – you guys doing this I, like i said i've never talked for two and a half hours it just feels <laughs> out of the box you know yeah and this is our second one today yeah <laughs> it's a little a little much but we're, we're wow. doing it. <laughs> um it's but you crazy. know man, it's we just really have so much respect for you like i said you definitely helped launch our business as well as many others so you know we truly appreciate your time and you, you taking the opportunity you know to come on with us so thank you so much for doing that yeah Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. Thank you guys so much for listening. We truly appreciate your time and your ear. We know it is valuable. We cannot thank you enough for joining us each and every episode. We really enjoyed this episode with David as he has been one of our mentors and one of the people we learned the most from in the beginning. So we hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. If you have any questions, you can reach us at poolchasers.info at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our tag is poolchasers. If you guys could take a minute and go to Apple Podcasts to rate and review the podcast, we would truly appreciate it. See See you out out there, there, pool pool chasers. chasers.